Yes. <laughs> Wasn't so much the 40 degree water, the, no? the blueness. But that maybe <laughs> clarified your mind to pick yeah. this up yeah. strong, more strong. Indeed. Yeah. And the For Blue sure. Lagoon, is it like, a, there is one place in Gotland as well here in Sweden called Blue Lagoon. Is it? That is very blue as well. All right. Yeah. But this one is blue as well. In, in it's the water that is blue. It's, yeah. I think it's sulfur oh, that yeah. makes the water, gives it the, the, like blue tint of the of the water and mm. it's 40 degrees and and mm. all of a sudden there was this huge rainbow so yeah. it was really nice yeah the, the sand the bottom is actually black in uh, what in gotland in blue, in blue lagoon in gotland I mean, no, no 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 in the uh, in iceland in iceland oh. right because oh, of the volcanic yeah, rock exactly so if you pick it up it's uh, it's uh, it's black but you will not be able to see it mm. until you raise it throughout super amazing have you been there yes and I, I, I concur on the food. I want to go uh, now. Yeah. I, I feel like a um, reunion kind of thing in the Iceland for AI afterward yeah. podcast. Yeah. I have a, I have a client in Iceland Yeah, and uh, a friend, I should say, and we've been planning to go mountain biking, yada, 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 and then, you know, f- to come to have business sessions and then COVID hit and all this. But now mm. I really have that on my bucket list. Yeah. yeah. The time is right. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. So you were there in Ireland, no. Iceland to to actually cover the election, and, and um, do we yes. still have the the Swedish uh, ambassador there? Uh, Not anymore. He's in South Africa. All right. Yes. Oh yeah. So we don't have any. We do have a new yeah. one. He's oh, okay. not that sort of a big profile though uh, okay. who can be in 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 regards to uh you what do you think about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 no he's not there anymore uh he made an impression though because uh, a lot of politicians that you meet they mention him like right. he, yeah so they they tended to be quite fond of him it was sad that he was uh, going away fun of him in a, in a good way or a bad way in a good way i think okay yeah that yeah. was the general general feeling that i got from the people there but he's not there anymore he mm-hmm. made he made his he did his thing and then he went on to south africa Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's your, what's your feeling about Iceland in general? Is it a place you like or what's the pros and cons you would say oh, about Iceland? Oh, only pros. Yeah. Uh, I was only there for a week, right? And they don't have any trees there. They don't, <laughs> they don't have any trees. That's the con. That, that's a con. That is con, actually. <laughs> actually, in autumn, I think it's a big pro. All the fucking <laughs> leaves mm. that I need to I clean in my nice garden. to have some trees and the <laughs> leaves are falling down. I was it right. nice. I was joking. Right. It's good shelter for the wind as well. Yeah. It is. That you don't have in Iceland. It's, it's not nice to, to drive a motorbike mm. though when you have the leaves on the road. It's very slippery. Yeah. 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 Drive a motorbike. You should have some good motorbike roads in Iceland. I mean, like. I, that would be awesome. Yeah. I, I'm sure we have seen the uh, Top Gear. They go to yeah. all these fancy places mm. and drive cool cars. And you see these beautiful roads. That's right. for you, Anders. Mm. Right. There are beautiful roads there. Scenic. And then, and then of course there are beautiful four-wheel drive roads. So you can do amazing stuff just go I guess going yeah. Yeah. Bananas and you just yes. go. Just go out there. And, and a big test here in Frederick. Um, can you pronounce the name of the volcano in Iceland? Oh, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> not even going to try. <laughs> What's the tough one? I have no clue. Ah, yeah. Vatnajökull. What? No, it was well, yeah. Isn't that one of them? Vatnajökull, I think so. You, the was names a bit more the complicated. Big, the big yeah. Okay. volcanoes. <laughs> yeah, that was, you know, the, right. the big, uh, you know, caused all the disruption and all the air traffic, you know, a couple right. years ago. Right. 
Mm. That was actually yeah. a blessing in disguise for Iceland. I've heard yeah. because that was right after the uh, the crisis, the financial crisis. The banking yeah. system sort of imploded in Iceland, and uh, then they had this uh, big volcanic eruption, and that sort of uh, oh, that, that's the name. Uh, try to pronounce that. I, I dare, I dare you. What's the problem? <laughs> Nordic Smordic. <laughs> no, but that was a good thing I've heard because uh, that sort of uh, put Iceland on the map. So the tourism industry exploded after that. So it was a oh, yeah. big, uh, big thing for them because they bounced back economically after the big crisis. So it was a, it was a good thing. And it's since then that the, the um, tourism industry in Iceland has boomed. Really? So it was a blessing in disguise. Interesting. Yeah. Awesome. With that, um, I would like to welcome you here, Frederick Jörkman. And it's a true pleasure to have you, a distinguished journalist from Dagens Industry and uh, also an author of a very recently published book, which is very much on um, the theme of our podcast as well, which is the AI revolution. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a true pleasure. And I think we, we need to have people that for one understands you know what the possibilities are but speaks about them in an objective way in some sense and, and also are not afraid about saying when perhaps some people don't understand the possibilities or perhaps we did something wrong at some point or are able to pinpoint you know that hmm, we could have done better at these kind of things to, to really maximize the benefits and, and minimize the risks in some way right and we but, sort of are in that process right now, right? Yeah. Where decisions need to be made. Mm. That's sort of one of the reasons that I, that I wrote the book, that um, I saw a discussion that was going on in, in parts of the uh, startup um, economy in, in mm. Stockholm, especially mm. in Stockholm, also in Malmö and, and Göteborg, but especially in Stockholm. And that discussion, uh, I thought, uh, should, be, um, should be brought up to... Uh, sort of a higher level, so to speak, to the decision makers yeah. and the politicians. And uh, so that more people can be a part of the discussion when these decisions that need to be made, if not now, then tomorrow. Mm. Um, but this discussion was sort of isolated to uh, a small group of people. Yeah. Well, let's uh, get into to the story behind the book shortly. Mm. But before we do, let's uh, talk a bit about you as well. Right. Who is Fredrik uh, Björkman? How, how would you describe your background and, uh, and your passion and interests? Right. Well, um, sh okay, I'll, I'll be very Swedish and talk about my work life, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I used to work at, I started my career as a journalist at Sveriges Radio, mm -hmm. um, Swedish Public Radio. And, and what year was that approximately? 2013, I think. 13. So I'm still, still fresh out of school. Mm -hmm. um, and that was when I, I moved to Gävle because that was the first uh, work mm -hmm. opening that I got. I'm, I'm, I'm born and raised in Stockholm. Yeah. So uh, my thought was, I cannot uh, be a journalist. I cannot uh, live in Stockholm and, uh, you know, be a part of the sort of journalist uh, group that is hanging around here and doesn't see anything of, of like Sweden. And yeah, but of course, it's, it's not far from Stockholm, right? But, but it's something else. So I wanted to try that. And uh, I started working with the radio there. Uh, I hosted a, an afternoon show. It was four hours of live radio, um, a lot of music, which is good because you needed uh, some pauses. Uh, and then I went on and I worked at um, Sveriges Radio in Stockholm. Mm -hmm. I moved home again after two years. 
mainly working with um, looking into how uh, new digital innovation uh, affects both society, but especially um, uh, the culture in Sweden, like the museums and, and uh, that sort of thing, that the arts. Uh, and then I went to Pietria because I was still young back then. <laughs> I think it's the coolest channel. Yes, right? it is. It is. <laughs> At least it used to be. But uh, and then I went to Dagens Industry. Uh, that's sort of that story. But I come from Stockholm, born and raised uh, in, in the south of Stockholm. Um, yeah. Did you study journalism? Sorry. Yes, I did. Um, that's actually a funny story. I, I started uh, studying. Started out studying uh, law. And I started and I studied at law school for two two and a half years, sort of midway. So I thought I cannot do this. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's it was very 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 interesting to study, but um, I don't know um, to work with it though to do that as a profession. No, that wasn't for me. So I I just went to uh, we talked about motorbiking in Iceland. I, I went motorbiking in Southeast Asia in, in Vietnam, and th that's when I sort of found out I'm, I'm, I have to be a journalist. Sort of a Tintin yeah. thing. Travel the world. Yeah, yeah. Tintin. Journalist slash detective. But before we, we move into Dagens Industry, because mm. that would be fun to hear more about as well, but let's speak a bit more about Sveriges Radio as well. Mm. And um, Or how do you say Sveriges Radio in, in English? Is it Swedish radio or what do you say? I think it's Swedish public radio. I think Public radio. Yeah. yeah. Because Sveriges Radio is a brand. Which it is. is. SR. Sveriges yes. Radio. Right. So, so it's not only that this is the Swedish radio, no, it's the brand Swedish radio. Yeah, so it's right. right. <laughs> and if someone else are listening to this and, you know, they feel the the uh, interest in being a journalist and, and speaking for this kind of uh, Sveriges radio or other mm. publishers, if we call it that, can you give some examples of some good times and bad times in Sveriges radio? Oh, um, the good times were, uh, I think the, the first years that I worked were the best times that I had at Sveriges Radio because mm -hmm. then you, uh, you got to do a lot of different things. And as I mentioned, it, it was four hours of live radio. So you had to do the booking and speak with the guests and do all the, if there were any, any, um, editing that needed to be done. So you got to do everything and you got, uh, not least to, to be able to move around a lot because Piafira uh, is live and then you just took a, a broadcasting car and you went to some place where something happened. It could be uh, some somewhere where they just put some new fish in the water because it was a season for that. And then you made two hours of radio of that. So you just had to do a lot of a little. Mm -hmm. So that was really good. I think the, 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 the bad times, uh, that was sort of the, the, um, it's more about politics, the, the, um, the politics of how they, uh, sort of treat their, uh, employees because you have these time limited contracts, right? And it's a lot of young people that has okay. those time limited contracts. And uh, there are a lot of good, I mean, very good and talented, uh, people and journalists that, uh, don't get to, uh, work there for more than four years. So th oh, that's sort yeah. of a, a, um, a, they put that into system to be able to not um, hire people. And so that's a very, uh, very bad just thing. Just to avoid having uh, full-time employees. Yes, yes. Oh, that's a shame. It is a shame. It is a, it is a shame, yeah. yeah. See that. And then you come to Dagens Industry. How did that happen? Did, did you know someone there, there or did you apply for some position there or how, how did it, that happen? No, I didn't know anyone uh, there at all. I actually still 
sort of don't know a lot of people in in journalism. Mm. I I come from a background where where my parents don't know anybody in the business at all. So you know I had to do it all by myself. Um, but there was an opening at uh, the Digital, uh, mm. which is a sort of a uh, I, I think they call it a a, a sister site to the to the main site it's um uh, it's one part of doggy's industry where you um cover the digital economy and the uh, startups and innovation mm -hmm. and how innovation is driving uh swedish businesses mm -hmm. and so i saw that opening and uh, of course i applied because i had uh worked with um innovation uh, in in at Sveriges Radio and i thought that was very very interesting because that was where everything was happening where new stuff was happening right and so i applied and uh went to speak with the um with the boss and he said well you got the job do you know do you remember the role what what, the, what was the name of the role reporter reporter yeah. for innovation or the digital yeah it was a it was a team of uh, five or six people that mm -hmm. was at the digital reporters mm -hmm. and we had uh, they still have the the podcast uh digital podden which mm -hmm. was very popular or is very That's popular a nice one. yeah and and so we also hosted that one and um you got to meet all these incredible uh innovators and people that were really inspired by the ideas that they really believed in and that was uh, that was inspiring for me as well mm. any um, extra highlights anything that you um still remember to this day you know since you started in, in dogis industry that um, you can mention we ha we had uh, this uh, this tour uh where we uh it was a tour of events where we um we tried to find the uh, sort of the the uh, coolest or the the most promising new startup company mm -hmm. in Sweden every year so it was annually oh, yeah. and then we visited all these uh, different towns and and, uh, and cities and the companies pitched to a jury of investors and and innovators and uh, um sort of that as dark nested right <laughs> dragons den and uh that was really nice because then you got to meet a lot of people uh face to face you got out there a lot of journalists tend to stay at their desk and do the phone calls and then they write a story and that's that but uh this is really being out there so that was that was really nice uh and also i, I it was a stage performance sort of where we were two hosts oh, so yeah. that was that was really fun nice. to be able yeah. to speak to people live at stage and yeah that was that was really nice yeah so events cool. i guess i guess that's the thing where you you're missing you, you miss the events right yes <laughs> yeah but now corona is uh you know letting up a bit mm. restriction. hopefully yeah i hope so awesome um should we move uh Perhaps, yeah, before we move into the book, et cetera, but um, how would you, if you were to try to compare Sveriges Radio mm. uh, or the Swedish public radio to Dagens Industry, what, what do you say the biggest differences are between the two? I think the biggest differences are that you um, you get more freedom at Dagens Industry, I say, because um, all these, all these um, internal systems, it could be things as uh, things that take up a lot of your time when you're not doing journalism, they, you had a lot of them at, at Sveriges Radio. They had standards for everything, right? And it was hard to sort of get out of that standard. So um, you, as I mentioned before, I think a lot of journalists are doing their job at their desks. And, and that tended to be the situation when I came, came to Stockholm, not at in Gävle, at the, mm -hmm. when, in the first time, but when I got to Stockholm, you tended to um, be limited to, to uh, your desk at certain 
certain days and certain hours. Um, at Dagens Industri, I think, I think it's more, it's more free. It's more, um, it's more creative actually. Mm. I'd say, uh, it's more open. It's more, you know, get out there and they, they make sure that you, they push you out. Like you can't sit here. You need to be out there speak to people and, right. and, you know, meet people, talk to them, have a coffee. It always tends to, it always ends up with something. So that's, that's the main difference, I think. And what do you, yeah. So, so, you know, given what's happening in the world today and we can see, you know, uh, the one podcast after the other coming out and, and we still have the role of newspapers uh, that we try to maintain. What, what do you see here? And I guess Dogs Industry have their own podcast as well, right? Yeah, they have different podcasts, yeah. yeah. How do you see that progressing? What do you think the future will hold for publicists, if you call it that, like Dogs Industry, etc.? Do you think it will change into becoming more of these kind of podcast formats or what do you see the future holds i certainly think that podcast will be one part of the uh, of the of the business yeah. um when you i mean the us tends to be five or six steps ahead of us right yeah. and uh, and they they actually still do have all the the best podcast in my opinion mm-hmm. and you can see except uh, this one except, <laughs> except for this one of course but then you can see like um new york times for example yeah. they have been doing a lot of these uh specialized podcasts for special interests right mm-hmm. um or special stories when they have uh some sort of of a bigger longer story then they also do the format in, in podcasts so it's a it's a dual thing and i think that's the way to go and that's i think that's the way that publishers will go so are you saying in some ways that the media landscape is changing in, into community special interest topics or is, is that a driving factor here yeah and it has been changing i mean uh i'd say for the last four or five years that's been the way it's been going so we've come and and this trend is i think is proven right i think it's there yeah i think it is and also since our i mean the customers the listeners the the viewers the readers uh, tend to be um very specific in their tastes right so it's 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 easier to uh, to uh, tend to all those different sort yeah, of so, so we're going from a regional target audience mm. to a niched global community right target audience right yeah for I example like, like a, ai this is a niche yeah yeah and and it can be as you say global rather mm. than just uh exactly some group in in so so when you want to do a podcast you're i'm really we are really competing with the the best podcast of new york times of course right right so, yeah I want to, I have a couple of questions. Um, How do you think uh, data and AI is right now changing the landscape of a journalist or a reporter? Not so much right now, actually, if at all. Mm -hmm. Um, It is changing when it comes to the algorithms that are, um, or that could be choosing the, the, um, the things that you're reading or listening to or, or viewing. That could be a change, right? If if uh, if it's not uh, a human being that is saying that this should should be the main topic, this could could go as number three at the at the main page, right? So that that could be a different right difference right now. Although I think it's still not that broadly used in Sweden. I think Expressen tried tried it. Uh, I don't know if they have it still, but I think they did try it. Um, but when it comes to the journalism's sort of hands-on that I'm doing, then mm-hmm. it, it doesn't, it, it isn't affecting it at all because we're not using it. Right. But, I, the, 
Uh, and then, okay, continue. No, Sorry. I think it's, it's um, partly because uh, we haven't found sort of the ways of working with it or the form. There is data journalism for sure, but we're not using AI as a tool to interpret or, or sort of work with that data. We get the data and then you go into an Excel file or whatnot, and then you try to sort it out and then you see some patterns, right? But we're not using data in bigger quantities, first of all. And second of all, we don't have the tools after we get the data. And, and the second thing is, I think uh, we as any other um, employees, any other, um, any other, yeah, pl- employees, we are, we are of course also a bit hesitant as everyone is, could, an AI, for example, write the exact article that I'm writing, mm. then it's, uh, you know, it's a threat. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about the book. And, and uh, of course, from the book, it's clear you have interviewed and picked apart a lot of different use cases mm. and different industries. Mm. So w- with extrapolating and all that experiences in, you know, inspiration, how would you understand uh, how to utilize data and AI or how, to, how that could change the workflow of the journalist in, you know, let's say five to 10 years. I mean, like we are not there now, we're not doing it now, but if you use what you know now, Right. Where do you see the, the main use cases in, in journalism? And, and well, we, as, as a lot of other uh, uh, working people in, in different areas, we uh, do a lot of tasks that are uh, repetitive mm. and that, um, of course, we have, if you do an interview like today, um, you do an interview for 30 minutes, then you need to re-listen to it again and again and again, and then put down the words that they're saying, right? And then you, that task is, of course, it only eats up your time. That and workflow can be improved, of course. Right, right. And it doesn't give you anything other than you get it on the paper, right? Mm. From one media to another, mm. to the, the one that you're supposed to publish. So that, of course, could be automated in some way. And of course, there are some tools that are, that are um, being used today. They are, although in Swedish, they are quite useless, unfortunately, <laughs> but that will save a lot of time. Also, when it comes to data-driven journalism, I mean, uh, that could be, ve- then AI could be very useful. And how do you define data-driven journalism? Well, journalism that collects data because the story is the data, right? You see... Um, the the result is that you get is like uh, nine and ten of this says that right so you the result is it's sort of the data you've found something in the data so that's data driven journalism when you use the data to tell the story or when the data is the story that's that's data driven journalism and, and last topic on this sort of line of questioning mm. how do you feel about this sort of AI or like the engines that re, re, literally use scrapes other journalists works and prepackages and right. summarizes it and basically puts the news again right. in a, in a shorthand format, which is almost automating, uh, copy, uh, you know, I don't yeah. know. How do you, how do you feel about that? How do, how do you see that go? That's one of the discussions in, uh, in the journalistic sphere, uh, that these, that sort of, those sort of tasks, uh, could of course be automated because you also have a, a, a steady flow of news, right? Mm. From uh, different sort MP, of outlets. Reuters, right, all this, right. and you just pick it out and Right. And then th- there's a human that says, this one looks interesting, this does not, and, you know, and that could of course also be automated because that's, yeah, yeah, it could be. So it's, it's uh, the rewriting as well. I mean, it's exactly. just, and, and that is actually also one of the things that, um, is tested today, mm. uh, not least in sports, where you just get the exactly. results and then you can just automate it. So, yeah. 
And just to follow up, perhaps one more question about that. There is another big trend today, which is that the um, the impact that a lot of influencers have. Right. They have no education in journalism, but they have a huge number of listeners, and, and they have a big impact in what people listen to. What do you think about that? Do you th- do you think that will be um, a problem for the journalism as a trade in, in some way, or what it's a think? profession? Yeah. yeah. Uh, not per se. I mean, it could be. Uh, the main thing is that we need to question if it's problematic uh, and why it's problematic, right? The mm-hmm. fact that they get, they have all these followers, right? So they have yeah. power um, and they have reach. Yes. Um, so is that a problem? Well, it depends on 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 how they use that power, right? Uh, and then it's since they have power, it's it's just they're just one more. I mean, one more actor that we need to be able to do the interviews with, I mean, um, to be able to see how they work, how much money they make, how they make that money. So it's just another area where we, sh- which we should cover, right? But, but if, if we just count the number of viewers mm. or listeners or the impact that, you know, a publisher like Doggins Industry or, or something else have, or Swedish television or Swedish radio or not, compared to some influencer uh, like Bianco Ingresso or something, mm. Uh, if that divide were to continue to increase, do you, th- do you see that as a problem? Not per se. I mean, um, I'd say, of course, there's a difference in the fact that uh, Bianca Ingrosso has all the tools where she can publish herself, right? But but in a way, she's a new Marilyn Monroe or some other person that said something that was published, right? So it's more, and that's also the case today when Bianca Ingrosso says something, either it's uh, it's on Instagram or some other channel, then someone will publish it, not mm-hmm. least Express and or Aftermath, right? So it they, becomes news because it's celebrity. Yeah, the right. Statement. Because they're celebrities, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the, the main difference now is the fact that they can publish themselves. Yeah, they can exactly. choose what they want to say and how they want to say it and, and to whom they want to say it. So that that's a big a big difference. But I wouldn't say that it's um, it's not competing directly with the media outlets. Not the not or at least it shouldn't because I mean we do a lot of different things. At Dogens in the Street it's quite specific, right? It's it's uh, economics and politics. Yeah. But at Aftonbladet, as an example, you have a lot more different areas that you're covering. So that could be in competition with Aftonbladet. But I'm. Uh, I don't think that Bianca Ingrosso will um, cover, uh, I mean, the quarterly report of SCB. So that's not. She a probably won't. But but still, it's uh, it's a question also about you know before if you look like twenty years back, you know yeah. they had like one or two channels on the TV. Everyone was watching it. They had a huge impact in in what people thought was the the right thing to do and the way of living and basically impact on the society. And that has shifted quite drastically, mm. wouldn't you agree? It has, it has. Uh, a lot more voices and a lot more, uh, I mean, it, it has shifted since the capacity, the, the ability to, to publish yourself. That is the main difference. So mm. it, it has shifted. But, but also, it, I mean, that's the discussion of, is it a dem- democratization? Because uh, there are a lot of more voices. Mm. They get to choose themselves. And why shouldn't they be able to choose themselves? But that comes, uh, it all comes down to the res- responsibility in the end, right? Mm. What are they saying? To whom are they saying it? And what are they selling, of course? Because that's a, a huge... I mean, a big part of what they're doing, they're selling something because they are companies that make money, a lot of money as well. Mm. Mm. They do, for sure. Cool. So you also, you know, I wrote this book about AI, but 
Um, how how did, you, did your interest in AI get started? You know, when and why, uh, why did you get started or interested in, in that type of topic? Well, AI specifically, uh, I was interested in in when I I was covering how uh, digitization and um, and and you sort of, you said actually digitization versus <laughs> yeah. digitalization. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you actually do you differentiate a, between the two? And this is a should, should, we, should we let the oh, okay. it, yes, with, yes. when the journalist says a definition now? Are we going to stick with it? Either no, no, way, no. we argue about this because <laughs> I want to hear the I want to hear the argument. What, what what is digitization and what is digitalization? And almost to the point that people are using them interchangeably mm. or actually meaning digitization, same digitalization or vice versa. Mm. Confusion, you know. Right, right. So we are sort of looking at the definite rule, or you know, who who is the uh, judge? What is digitization? What is digitalization? So I'm quite open to lay flat and let him decide. No, I, want to, hear, I want to hear the your arguments. arguments. I want to hear your arguments. No, 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 start. no, no, no. You we, start. You done this already. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'd, I'd say that. Um, well, this is just. Uh, this is not scientific in any way. No, we are not either on this topic, by the way. But then I want to hear the argument. Argument. You we think we that take the, it afterwards. We'll okay, talk, but right. I, I want to have a fresh comment from you. Right. Unbiased opinion. Unbiased opinion first. Unbi- right, right. Or your personal subjective opinion, right. but it's yours without our voices. Right, right. I don't think I have an opinion, actually. I just, I, I think I'm one of those that use it interchangeably. I so you are worse. So you could say digitization in one sentence mm-hmm. and then you say, you mean the same thing. You say digitalization, the, the sentence after. Yeah. But I tend to use digitalization when it's more concrete, I think. Okay. So like digitalization of something, right? Mm-hmm. Digitization tends to be more broadly. That's the more, the more, okay. So it's more general versus specific. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Why is that interesting? <laughs> no, because it's different to our, our, com, our com fundamental conversation. Right. Yeah. So what's the, what are the arguments? Should you try to do it? Yeah. Oh, I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I think it's you know, fun. This is as difficult as the definition of AI, more or less. Right? Right? So many the only reason it's difficult is because I'm right and you <laughs> figure that out. <laughs> I think actually that's true because I actually, I think you made actually me change my mind. Right. But are way. you like so, Wikipedia? True or more no, so, logically? So it's all a joke, right? Mm-hmm. So we basically have been talking about, uh, let, let me use another word to explain the difference, right? So if you have an analog process and you sort of convert that analog process into something digital, mm. the argument then this is, let's say, computerization. Okay. Right. And, and the way I have understand that is that that's, that's the word digitization. Right. So I, my, my understanding of the topic was, this is an analog process. Okay. It, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was on paper. Mm. Now you're writing an email. Have you really changed the fundamental? I mean, this is, oh yeah. So if you used to put something in digital media, but it's an analog core process, mm. Uh, this is digitization. Nice. And then digitalization is ultimately full on Elon Musk first principles rethink right. what does this mean if I break it apart in its core components and reimagine this to something else. Right. Digitalization. So the exact opposite that I said. That's no, good. I, 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 think I was had, wrong. I, think I was wrong. Then, uh, but I think you said, you know, it basically means the same. So in that sense, it's yeah, okay. And, right. But, but this I, actually is, had, I had the the opposite view before mm. that you had, but actually I must, uh, you know, 
retract my statement on that and say and the only Janik was right in this case. <laughs> no, and, and, and we, there is no scientific right or wrong. So, but we, we, we basically started, you know, because we, we thought it was fun. So right. we started to Google, you know, digitization yes. and what do they mean? Mm. Digitalization, what do they mean? Nothing was consistent, but it was, I think, statistically more on my side yeah. than uh, on okay. your side. Okay. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's just confusing. It's Termin confusing. Right, right, terminology right. and um, people abuse the terms and use them differently all the time. Yeah, and right. it's just, but I think still but it's it shows important. Up. This is important because this is mm. part of the whole problem. Mm. We don't know what we're talking mm. about. Confusion. Confusion, mm. major, high words, major right. is screwing us up. Right. That's the bottom line. I but think. isn't, uh, to make things even more uh, difficult, I mean, the, the process of, Let's take the example of paper versus email again. Mm -hmm. uh, then there is remediation that you're talking about, right? So that's another word for it. Like you, you take something analog or you take something dig digital, but you make another thing of it. It could be a book that you make into a movie or it could be uh, an, a letter that you write yeah. by hand and then you write an email. So that's remediation in, in the media uh, So I, I don't know the word remediation in this mm. context. What do you mean with remediation? It is when you take something... Uh, when you take something and you copy it to another, another media. media. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. remediation. Now yeah. I get it. Yeah. Well, yes. And that is, in that, there is a, a process of digitization. I would, All right. argue, I would argue there digitization. Okay. digitization. So, so I have a book and mm. put it in PDF. Mm. That's, a, that's a digitized version of the book. Yes. Mm. You remediate. If, if I take a book and I make that into a gamification mm. experience, mm where I completely get immersed, you know, so I, I, I actually use another way of consuming the knowledge than in PDF, I still read the pages, right? Right. But if you rethink mm. what's the experience I can get out of this text. Right. Uh, I mean, like even, even uh, if you do your book in sound, it's right. remediation, right? Right, right, yeah. But you know, you, you have these games, right? Like, mm. uh, like you, you can get like, this is early eighties, nineties, the first sort of games or like you, you could click it and all that. Mm -hmm. I think this is more digitalization because you have taken the book and you made it into a, a digital format where you can, you know, search and do different things. Right. PDF is remediation. Right. I think this is kind of this. this yeah. It's I don't good. know. We should stop here. We need to stop now. I'm going to use that one. Okay. But, but you're interested in AI. Uh, yeah. To, Thank to you. get back to that. You know, right. What yeah. was I saying? When did it start? Uh, was it some special oh, right. thing or was it, uh, you know, when did it start or? Well, it sort of started uh, when uh, when I was working at Sveriges Radio, I was covering how um, digitalization then uh, affected, <laughs> <laughs> affected uh, uh, museums and how they worked and what they did. Uh, they took these plays and then did total other product. <clears throat> it could be a game or whatnot. Yes. And that's when I, uh, that's, that was one of the first time because I also covered media then, and that was one of the first times when actually uh, AI was used in media in this uh, way of of uh, as a service when they were rewriting stuff, mm. stories, and um, that was also a time when when v VR was a big thing. Wow. It was hyping, and they did as VR stories, wow. and they used AI to to present uh, their different um, different articles and and. Um, Sort of as Spotify or Netflix does, like they recommend something, right? Recommend their system. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was what, actually when I thought like, wow, this is actually something that AI could be used for, right? It was the first time that I saw like a practical example of AI being used and something that I very much understood. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was so concrete. I, I could see it in front of me. I could see it because I made 
four or five different profiles at, at New York Times. And then those profiles uh, were getting different right. recommendations. So yeah. that was an eye opening. And, and, and from that on, when I went to Dogis Industry, I met all these different companies that either they said that they were using AI, <laughs> perhaps <laughs> they wouldn't, weren't, but, 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 um, and that was also, I think, a time when AI was a buzzword. Mm. I don't know, I don't know if it's still. I look at you. Do you think so? I think a lot of people abuse the term AI for right. sure, but there is a true value. It's easy to see, right, from um, just looking at the AI divide that we have today. So, I mean, there is a real thing. It's just people are abusing it extreme to an extreme, right? I mean, it's, the, it's the problem of confusion or definition, right? Mm. And, and you can use AI in a super broadest term. Mm. Or you can be an AI snob like Lucas, and I say it in a po positive way. Lucas, uh, Paltorian Lucas, Luca, I mean uh, Luca, Luca, yeah. Luca, not Lucas. I mean, like, I'm joking. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, so what I mean with that is we have uh, traditional machine learning, yeah. and then we have deep learning. Yeah. So deep learning is AI. Yeah. And I tend to agree with the. Uh, I, I I think it's tricky when we put when everything that is algorithms is AI, or is it? This is endless oh, yeah. discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting into the definition of AI, and I, I know mm. you, you wrote a lot about yeah, that in the book and, as well. And, and then we, we need to, we, we could talk about this on the U definition. <laughs> That's, have yeah, you I, use the, I use the broad, the broad definition, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Machines that get some sort of information and they uh, make some sort of decision. And that was because I wanted to, um, I thought that if it was broad enough, then you could also, this, I mean, it was, it gave you a clearer view of what it is, uh, because I wanted to be able to to um, write a book that could be read by, I mean, someone that didn't even, uh, they, perhaps they had heard of AI, they mm -hmm. didn't know at all what it was, mm -hmm. a total novice, right? But I also wanted the book to um, to be read, or someone that could be interested of the book should be someone that is, uh, I mean, they, they know sort of what AI is, and they're starting to think about how can I, I mean, work with it or use it in my business. And, and I wanted to, to, um, give them some sort of inspiration. I mean, this is how companies are using the, the, um, the techniques that are available in different ways and different techniques as well. Um, but I also wanted the book to, um, be for, I mean, to be able to perhaps if, 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 if this comes, I mean, to fruition, then I'd say I'd succeed if it could have some sort of effect on people that know a lot of AI, but they need to um, be aware of the fact that uh, they need to start to push the, the decision makers. Right. Mm -hmm. So sort this of started, this is the revolution thing, I think. Yeah. But it mm -hmm. uh, used to be a little bit, um, one of the challenges, I think, when you grow up in this from an industry perspective and you see the journey of a lot of uh, the journey, a lot of enterprises has mm. made, we talked about reporting and then we talked about BI mm. and then we talked about analytics and now we talk about AI. Yep. And, and for me, the tricky part here is for me, AI is very different to analytics. Mm. So that's why I'm kind of also, um, I think you have a broader spectrum. I, I see a misconception that this is just another branch of analytics mm. and people don't realize the operational side or, you know, they, they, they start thinking about machine learnings as, as a one way of doing analytics. And mm. well, a recommender system, these are hardcore automation of processes. Yeah. So you don't, please don't stick it in the insights box only. Right, right. So for me then, this is very, this, this confusion is massive, I think, in, and it depends a little bit like which context, which conference you're in. Right. 
So I, maybe this is better to have a broad AI definition. Uh, I, I tend to... But broad, uh, there, are, there are problems with that as well. I'm not sure if you read the, the recent EU mm. AI Act mm. definition. Yep. You know, it's a proposal from EU about the new AI regulation, mm. which is not decided upon yet, but they have a very broad definition saying basically that AI is anything that has to do with a set of techniques, and a set of techniques can be like machine learning, logics, or statistics. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's why I have a problem with the broad definition, because all of a sudden now you're, you're putting stuff that we have been doing for years that has no paradigm shift, that has no revolutionary power inside it, right. and puts us in the same corner. So for me, this is then, you know, you know, talking about, is this a true paradigm shift? Is this a true transformation of the society? Mm. I, I think if, the scary point is that people then think, oh, we can just keep doing what we're doing and put a little bit of analytics on top of our analog mm. processes and we're fine. Mm. Digitization, you know, but analytics. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. I think there are two sides of that coin because one side is uh, we need to include more people into this discussion. Good. And when it comes to that, then I think it's a good thing that we have a broad definition because then more people can understand what it is or at least more people don't feel threatened by it because they, they uh, tend to understand in some way what it is. If we use a too small of a definition, then I think there's a risk that a lot of people are feeling, or they will be feeling isolated or, or I mean, shut out of the, of the discussion because they don't understand what it is and they don't uh, think, perhaps don't think that they can be able to get that knowledge as well because, I mean, um, it is, I mean, hands-on AI is a very technocratic thing. Yeah. So uh, there are pros and cons. I'm biting my yeah. tongue now because I don't completely agree. All right. Because I think it's not so much about if this is a broad definition mm. or a narrow definition. I think the problem is when you do it to technical mm. definition. So if I go hardcore down and say deep learning and it, it needs to be a certain style of neural network to qualify, mm. then you're going down the technical definition. Mm. But could you do a, a, a sharp definition? I, I'm, I'm not saying if it's broad or... I mean, like the problem is when, when everything is AI, yep. nothing is AI. Right, right. But that, does that affect the decisions that need that, that needs to be made? I, I think so, actually, because you know, if you have too broad, I'm saying that of course we should have inclusive definition. Easy, I like. I think in an easy definition of AI is important so yes. that people understand what they mean. Mm. I think if you do it from the AI regulation point of view and you say it's super broad, it basically means that any kind of software you have today is AI-based AI yes. and therefore should abide by the regulation that they propose. And that basically makes the whole regulation useless because everything needs to abide by it and there is no difference you know, to, to AI or anything it. else. Mm. So that's like a platitude statement and that's not a good thing. Right. And I like his argument. Please continue. And then the, the, uh, the other drawback is if, if you make too narrow kind of definition of AI, it also means that basically you can say that, that we don't have any AI, AI at all today, and that means that no regulation should be applied to anything. Yeah. Um, so there is simply a balance between the two, and, and finding that you know, kind of optimal balance between the two extremes that's the hard problem. That's the hard thing that we need to think about. Indeed. But Frederick, you said something because this is a definition that is suitable to regulate. Mm. But I think you are coming in from a much more 
important perspective, definition that can be inclusive for society. Right. I think this is, so how can we make sure that more people get an understanding and want to be part of the journey? Right. So I think if you can argue that that's the most important definition uh, and the regulation will follow, I mean, I don't know, but I, I can sense that you're going for an inclusive view of, so you can have more people get part of the conversation. I am, I am, because I think this is a, a first of all, it's a very, uh, it's a very important discussion to have um, because, because the fact that um, these techniques uh, will be uh, more broadly used. And uh, there are uh, today there are uh, certain companies that are able to use them and uh, people are already being affected by them. Uh, but second of all, also, I think that um, it's, it's very human to feel that uh, if you don't understand something, it's easier to just not I mean, exactly. engage. not engage at all. And just, um, you know, um, don't read about it and just go on as, as business as usual. Right. But, um, with this technique, it's not, it's, it's not about either you're going to have a Blu-ray or HD DVD. It's either you're going to have electricity or not. Right? And that's why, uh, I'm, I'm going for this sort of democratic thing with a broader definition, because I want more people to be involved. I want them to take the first step at least into this world and be able to, um, you know, gain more interest in it because that's the thing. If they just take one step into it and they don't feel threatened by it, then at least we have a bigger chance of involving more people, I think. So you made a shot at a definition in the book. Yes. And that is the, the broadest, I think the broadest possible information coming into a machine, a machine making some sort of decision mm -hmm. in short. I kind of awesome. like that decision, a uh, definition, by the way. So we are arguing in circles here because <laughs> I actually kind of like it. Right. And it's the decision making that I think is, uh, some, that's where the confusion or where the, the discussion is made up about the definition, right? The fact that the, um, the machines are making some sort of decision. But I think <clears throat> this is actually this simple definition that you made mm. separates AI from analytics mm. because analytics sometimes in, in well, what, why? I don't let, let I don't me, let, 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 let me, let me follow through. Maybe. You, you, you stopped me halfway through. <laughs> so if, if I, if I'm a little bit rude, mm. a lot of the BI comes from reports to put and present information in front of uh, people and make predictions. Now, still, I see very little prescription in the analytics and BI area. Mm. And I think when you're going for the decision, you're recommending something as well. Mm -hmm. There is a decision being made. Mm -hmm. Rather, uh, if I look from descriptive reporting to predictive analytics, that's an insight put on the table, but you still need to make a decision out mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. And what I see enterprise, yes, we have now done a prediction, but we are still, the decision is still left with the human. Right. So I think this is a dis like if you take that uh, ladder I have sorry. What do you mean that that AI can't be AI unless they they don't they make the decision themselves without a human? I, I would say that's really strange. Um, uh, you may be right. Um, uh, maybe uh, maybe I, I came in wrong because my, why I liked the decision making def part of the de definition. <coughs> is because I think it separates it from insights and analytics mm. in that you then have the human to make decisions. Mm. Uh, 
for me, you know, th this can be an endless discussion. Yeah. We can have an hour about this, but in short, I think you know the best use of AI, if we speak about that in in differently, is when we use AI together with humans, because AI is good as one thing, and, and humans are good at another thing. And um, to truly have the benefit of both, you need to combine them. Mm -hmm. That's truly when you can you know, reap the benefits of AI. And yeah, I, I'm so eager to go into more of this. Yeah, what is AI good at? What is humans good at? And, and uh, you know, how can we make them combine? Them can, the best can you, right, right. But, yeah, let's go. Let's continue. I, I was just jumping. Do you want to go on the next one? Or do you, yeah, you would... I can just, okay, let me just quickly then. Yeah, yeah. That. Um, so, well, you know, I was saying, like, uh, you already went in, so I, I think it's uh, good for you to go all the way. In, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. By the well, way, he didn't explain himself very good, but he uh, it was about the decision making. Yeah, so my, 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 my core argument. He went a little bit in the rabbit hole with a human there, but. Yeah, but the core argument was a little bit like, Okay, we have an analytical model. Do we need to have some sort of decision model in here to start calling it AI? Mm. I think that's the distinction I'm, I'm making. Yep. That that um, even when you do uh, when you when you is a graph a decision maker? No, I think it can be. You need to interpret it, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if 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 you put a graph with a line and you say this is good, this is bad, mm. then you're having decisions in it. But just putting a graph on is not a decision. Mm -hmm. I think it can be. How, how, how? I want to hear this. How, how, can, how can it be? Because, I mean, there's, um, I think, was it like four or five years ago when nudging, mm -hmm. it was, a, it's a Nobel Prize week. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a good, <clears throat> it's a good um, hook to it. Um, but I mean, could a graph be nudging in a way that you cannot make any other predictions than what you're seeing? I mean, if you, if you see something going some way, then you're going to make that decision, right? You're nudged yeah. to it. Is that what you mean? Or? It is because it, it, you make a decision and, and to make a decision, if it's a human or an AI, it doesn't matter, mm. but to make a decision, you want to gather information in some way and you base your decision based on that information that you do have. Right. And a graph can be a perfect thing to use as a piece of information to make the decision. Now, if the graph is produced by an AI system or by a human, it doesn't really matter, but it's a piece of information that is very, very commonly used to make your decision. Right. Right. So a graph can, by itself, be a way of making decisions. Mm. Right. Anyway, uh, I'd just like to, to conclude a bit about you know, what I said before we move on to, to the more important topic, which is the book. But, <laughs> um, so the question then is a bit, what's the difference between AI and humans? Is that something that AI is really good at? That potential is different from what humans are really good at. And, and I can just start to say my view on this, and mm. it'd be fun to hear what you think about that. But in my view, at least, AI is really good at one thing, which is going through a huge amount of data. It can be hours of videos, it can be hours or you know thousands of pages of text, it can be huge like time series data or whatnot. And AI can do that very, very quickly, but very su superficially. Mm. What humans can't do is going through thousands of pages of, of, of a book very quickly, but what they can do is look through a very short or a very small amount of data, but they can analyze that in a very deep way, mm. which AI can't do. So if you let AI do what it's good at, which is you know going through a huge amount of data, and then basically flagging, highlighting, recommending stuff that the human can look at, and then you let the human do the deep analysis of it to make finally a decision mm. together with the AI, then you get the best of both, and you have the you know most positive benefits of AI for our society. I would right, write. right. 
I, Would you agree I, with that? I, I totally agree with that. Although I, I'm curious to, to, I'm curious of the fact that um, it's just a matter of, I think it's just a matter of, um, of time here. I mean, when does AI catch up yeah. with the fact that, that that's another, <laughs> the, the now deep we're analysis. moving to more philosophical yeah. topics. So because, that, uh, because, or I, th I think it's, it's very material, right? Because it's just a matter of time when the AI will catch up and then be able to do that analysis that yeah. the human can do. So, yeah. right. So but now we're moving into an AGI kind okay, of, or okay. human level AI kind of question. And okay. that's another topic. And, and, but uh, yeah, you're right. But so I do agree with the definition. If you're uh, just speaking about the thing that we have today. Yeah. Then I would argue that that's the, the current state of affairs, so to speak. I agree. And I argue, as long as you look at one decision at a time, mm. you can do this quite narrow. Um, and it can be quite, you know, then we can catch up very fast. Mm. It, for me, general becomes when you can have many different things being done by one big, big model, right? Right. Mm. Cool. Let's uh, move into the main topic, I think. I mm. think so. And um, yeah. You wrote an awesome book. Thank you. Not only because I'm part of it, but that's <laughs> really part of it. A big star. Um, How did you get in there? I don't know. I, I, can we start there? You, 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 as, as a curiosa. Right. How I did you think I attended, um, attended a seminar that was hosted by a company about the gaming industry or, or no, there were four, four or five companies that uh, made a pitch at uh, this uh, e event. Uh, are they called Red Dot or something like that? The company? They do analysis of, of, uh, of companies. Is it Red Dot Awards? You mean no. Mother Brain or no? No. I, anyways, and you were there and you, were, and you, were, you had um, 20 minutes, uh, 20 minute talk about oh, really? AI. And I was like, okay. And, and we started talking and it was this sort of um, luncheon thing afterwards. And we started talking and, and I heard that you were at Spotify and that was a big thing because right. I worked at Dogs Industry, the digital by then and Spotify right. was right. one of the main companies that we were covering. Mm. Um, and it was, and this was when I was especially looking at AI in different fields, uh, and, and in different, different companies, uh, mainly in startups. And, and that's sort of when I, and then I heard that you were at, at Peltarion as well, mm -hmm. because I covered Peltarion, how they sort of, they went from a totally, um, in the dark company to a right. very public one in, in our world, in the right. digital world. Yeah. Um, sure. mainly because of, of, uh, where the money came from, of course, yeah. that was a big uh, interest in, in money talks. Yes. So that's sort of, uh, when I found out on this was on this planet, ah, but the book then, yeah. how did that get started? What was, can you just go through a bit? Because I think a lot of people are interested in writing a book, but it's right. really, really hard to get started and, mm. and you need some cash to get started and yes. whatnot. Can you just speak about, you know, the, the initial thinking and, and how you get started with that? Yeah, I was, uh, I, I actually, I saw that there was a grant from Affärsvärlden, mm. uh, the, the business magazine, uh, they, uh, they had been, uh, or, or their fund had been, uh, funding a lot of different projects through the years. Uh, but this year, and I think it was 2018 when they decided that, uh, they wanted to big, to, to give give out one big uh, grant mm -hmm. for a book project, and uh, so I applied, and then that year uh, I was I I came in second, which oh. I didn't want to know because oh, <laughs> why did they tell me I came in second? That was that sucked. But but um, you were the first person who didn't get the money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was bad. I I mean they, we had a lot of talks and I uh, presented my project, and this was the project project then. Um, 
back then I, I as now I think it's it's very important to get the sort of the discussion started and I want to do it with these um, these stories uh, these cases business cases um, but I didn't get the grant and then the next year um, I, I uh, applied again and then then that was that so I got some money to be able to start working with it to be able to take one day off per week which is Oh, if you want to write a book, don't yeah. do that. I mean, make sure that you get two or three days because one day is, uh, it's not enough. Uh, so it was a lot of uh, late nights. Can, can we have weekends. one topic just about uh, writing a book and and how to strategize around that? Yeah. Because mm. I, I yeah. everybody, at least me, have some sort of small dream somewhere. Uh, everybody has a book in them. Maybe they have. They ha- they do. That's a say- actually a saying in Iceland. We were talking about Iceland when we started okay. this process. But let's go yeah. there later. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> and and um, yeah. So uh, that's how I got started. That how actually that that's how I got the time because that's the thing you need to have the time or else you won't be able to do it. And and if you get a grant or or if you get some time off, then you know uh, at least you you get the shot to to try and do it yeah. because that, that's the main thing. I mean, you get the grant or you you get the time, but you still don't know if you're gonna. If, if you're actually going to succeed because um i mean you just have to get in there and write one story per day and then just work on it and work on it and then do it again and rewrite and, and rewrite but but i got the time i got the grant um and i worked f- at it for what is it six or seven months that's short you know, it is short months. it is short yeah. um but i also i had since i had been working uh for Dagens Industry, the Digital, I had all these, uh, I mean, people that I've met, mm-hmm. right? I, I've met most of these companies I've met before. I've, I've talked to the people. I knew what they were doing, um, most most of them. Mm-hmm. And so I knew from the start, I had an idea of these companies should be in the book, uh, or at least these sorts of companies should be in the book, big yeah. or small. Or so when you pitched the idea for the yeah. grant, how clear was the dis- disposition and the outline of the book? Sort of I think that was actually the, the, the fact that I think that was was the fact that uh, I mean that was the that was sort of the thing that they thought was did I mean that did that um, was the thing that made uh, me get in the grant because uh, the disposition was quite clear it was sort of uh, what it is now what the book became so so that was they could touch and feel what you were thinking about laying out as a, as a yeah and every chapter and sort of the ingredients that I wanted to be in the book so that was uh, that was a clear clear view that I had from the beginning, uh, and then just I had a lot of I mean since I knew the people uh, or a lot of the people that were, that I've spoken to uh, that was uh, that was a good thing. So you did, but, but did you truly work like one day a week, like eight hours per week, or did you actually spend more time with it? Or? A lot more time. A yeah. lot more time. Yeah, it was those eight hours plus four hours that same day, and it was weekends and 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 um, late nights. Because I've been part of writing a, a small, you know, small part of writing other books, but but it's it's so much work. Yeah, and it is. It, it's it's hard to find the motivation. I would say to to actually you know, proceed with that. Yeah, it's easy to just do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the motivation is either you're going to present a book or we're going to take back the money. So that, that's <laughs> <the> motivation. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Cutthroat. But I want to go a little bit nerdy on um, how, if you summarize where you spent your time in some core categories, writing about, you know, uh, researching, Mm. interviewing, shaping, writing, editing, right. Or whatever. Like how, how was your experience? I'd say, um, I'd say, uh, 
70% research and uh, getting the material that you need. Including interviews? Yeah. Okay. Interviews and, and, and research, that's 70%. 20% uh, actually writing it and then 10% editing it. Okay. And now research versus like book, uh, secondary research versus interviews. How much difference there? That's all right. Within these 70%? Yes. <clears throat> I'd say um, research is, I'd say 50-50. 50-50. Yeah. 35, 35, 20, 10. Was that planned or was it more like this is just the lot natural of this topic or the way you structured the book? I don't know if it's natural since this is my first book. <laughs> so I don't know if it's natural, but, but um, that's just the way it panned out. Or that's sort of, that mirrors the way that I'm, I work daily with the, ah. with the stories that I write every day. So, so it's, it's uh, sort of the same thing, but uh, and that's actually what my editor said. He's like, well, it's going to be like uh, writing a, a big article every day. And that's what you need to do. And I, and I write between 3,500 3, and 5,500 words a day. So in my line of work. So, so, uh, so that's like one article a day or? How yeah, 3,500 is one of the bigger ones. Five and five is a very big one. 2.5 is a small one. Mm -hmm. And how big is that on the page? Is it two pages, one pages? What is five? 5,500 is, is uh, a spread. A spread, right. Yeah. Okay. 3,500 is a top and 2,500 is a bottom. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And um, we're going to go through a bit about the book and the different, you know, chapters in it. But if we were to start a bit, you know, with, you, you did a lot of research for this. You spoke to a lot of companies and people throughout that. If we just think about, you know, were there some questions that you asked that were, you know, the people that really asked or answered differently about that, that were like no clear consensus about that, that really made you think, you know, this was weird that people think so differently about this specific question. Anything that you can think of in that sense? I'll say the, uh, uh, the definition again. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, definition. Yeah, that was uh, where people were, uh, I mean, they were... Oh, it keeps coming yeah. back all the time. And it's, it's I think weird. it's part of the problem to get it to stick. Indeed. I think we Indeed. need to have a Xi Jinping or some some <laughs> dictator <laughs> coming in and saying, "This is the definition of AI." Everyone right. else, just shut up. Right? <laughs> what does Sanskrit Academy mean? Just yeah. tell us. Yes. What is yes. it? Yes. Maybe that's a good idea. I don't like. Uh, that could be a good pitch for them this week. I mean, uh, just you, you need to be more modern. Could you please give <laughs> <laughs> give us the definition? No, but that was the question that I mean the answers were very, very divergent depending on who you spoke to. And it could also depend on at what hour of the day that we were speaking to that person, <laughs> they could change. So yeah, I'd say that one. But is, could you see, but could you consolidate that into a general, I mean, like you consolidate it down to a, a de decision to make a quite general definition. Yes. Yes. And yeah, the, my definition is sort of a, uh, my definition is the product of all of these different opinions, I'd say, that I, with the people that I spoke to during my research and, and writing the book. As a compromise or as a <laughs> yes. succinct sharpening? No, I, actually as a compromise, because uh, it's, again, it's the inclusion thing, yeah. right? You wanted to sort of find a, um, I wanted to be the little, the little strip of ground between North and South Korea, right? That's me. <laughs> That's what I want to be. That's where we can meet. I like Speak it. about the AI. Yeah. <laughs> But that, that's the, the, I'd say the definition, right? And we need to have a, a discussion about that as well. Not, not us, because we're obviously having that one, but uh, in a broader sense, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so, so too. Yeah. Anything else that you can mention in like something that were a question that really, you know, made people passionate or, you know, made them 
I'd say, uh, yeah, the um, the lack of interest from from the politicians. I'd say wow. that's something that got people fired up. Um, not only from the 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 main sort the the main backers of, of, of from the industry of, of the AI, uh, because of course they have an interest in in, in sort of sharing the burden. Mm. But also from people that were very, are very in, invested in AI and the, the um, sort of the AI community and the, the development of AI in Sweden, mm. um, they were very fired up when I spoke to them about uh, what kind of response they are getting from. So like frustration maybe. fired yeah. up? Yeah, frustration. Yeah, and in some in some uh, some people also it, it comes came down to anger, right? <laughs> Sheer anger, because. There is a lack of of, uh, of um, decision making. There is a lack of discussion in 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 the Riksdag. You don't hear about it. I mean, I think Miljöpartiet is the only political party in Sweden that has uh, some person that is responsible for AI. So if you, if you like AI, you should vote for <laughs> Miljöpartiet. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm joking. But they are they they are the only ones, and that's that says something. I mean, there isn't a lot of there there, there are. Um, when you ask a politician, they have some some answer that they will give you that yeah, this is an important oh, question. Important. Yeah, 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 blah blah blah. But when it comes down to to, I mean, when it comes down to funding, when it comes down to decision making, uh, and it's mainly not the funding. Of course, that's a, a very big thing, but it's the decision making. And when when I talk about decision making, I mean. Um, the fact that we need to uh, prepare certain structures in society mm. to be able to use the technology uh, at, I mean, at its full full uh, at capacity. Scale. Yeah, at- yeah, and that could be that could be city planning. Uh, that could be how we look at ethical questions when it comes to opportunity. Right, uh, what we are taking into uh, the data that we will use or that the companies will use. So it's not only uh, regulation it's not only gdpr it's also uh, other broader questions what kind of society do we want and how do we get there i mean when it comes to the schools how should we use these tools how should we be able to fund uh, fund um, fund the opportunity to, to use the tools right so it's there's a, a broad so uh, so you're saying that the unconsciousness or or lack of having ai as part of the conversation when we actually several people you know, the community think it has a, a huge impact on society. It's like we are taking decision without having this as we, we are not doing it from an AI point. We are not bringing AI into the right mix. It's not even an ingredients, not at all. So, and that should be. Yeah. I mean, if you compare it to different other countries in Europe as well, um, some countries have a really strong like AI strategy. And Sweden, uh, if you, I'm not sure what the English word would be, but we we at least have some guidelines when it comes to AI. But the thing with Sweden is that we have no budget connected to that guideline. Whereas, for example, Finland, you know, already back in 2017 had like a national strategy with connected budget to actually make some actions happening. Yeah. Because I think you have some strong words. I'm not sure if, is it part of the book? You know, what do you think about the Swedish politicians? Uh, connections to AI or I'd say I present the facts and they speak for themselves <laughs> that's a part of the book so it, it's it's um, it's obvious for the reader, reader that um, I mean there is a lack of these things so it's it's obvious if you read the book that um, 
and 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 it is per se it it is the facts and they speak for themselves i mean i think the main goal with this government um apply right now is uh we sh- sweden should be the best country to use the digital tools that we get or something like that that's sort of the the writing Platitudes. but yeah but but, it, but there are there isn't any funding it's um 500 million so, for 10 years so yeah. so it's actually it's it's in a way it's worse than having the wrong point of view it's worse than having a no not being literate enough about it it's simply like missing in the conversation yeah it is missing. So it's, it's not even to the point that it's there, but it's illiterate. It's not there. Right, right. And also these promises or these uh, goals that um, that were set up um, by this government, I mean, of course, in the end, that's just going to be empty words. And again, that's going to be something that people... Because someone someone who's listening to this, who's into this now, and we have heard the politicians, they will say, oh, come on, we have this and this and that. And we, we, you can have all the pol- politician answers to this. Mm. So what is the fact that you are, that can back you up that says, I mean, like, that we, we actually not there? How can you easily prove in the facts that we are just lip serving? I'll follow the money. Follow the money. 500 million crowns yeah. for 10 years. Yeah. For 10 years. So it's 50 okay. million a year. Boom. And that's like a 0.01 of the uh, GDP that we right. have or something. Right, it's right. Super small. So what do you think would be, an, you know, when would, if you have done the same research mm. and you found another number mm. and that would have made you sort of shift your, you know, clear fact mm. to, ah, oh, they're trying. Mm. What's the number? <laughs> I'd say at least you need to be able to match uh, in some way what the uh, part of the industry is putting yes. into it. So that could be. Yeah, a good one. Uh, so is that 5%, 10%, 1%? Of the GDP? Yeah. Oof, that's a good question. Um, if I flip it, right. the companies that you have discussed with, mm. did you get an indication for how much investment they were making 1% half a percent i mean a sensitive question so of right, course right, we probably right, don't right. have it right i'd say it's it's uh, rather 1 than 10 yeah right yeah but the the um, the the um the funding that comes from parts of the the industry is of course uh, it, it is an um it is quite a lot of money. Mm. Um, and when you compare that sum to the 500 million in 10 years, then the 500 million is... But, but, but I would argue also, nothing. if I go to an, an enterprise, how do I define the investment in AI? Mm. Because ultimately we need to go on a massive cloud journey in mm. order to have the data infrastructure in order to run AI. So all of a sudden, if I look at this in the broader definition that mm. we use, you know, I, I remember we, we looked at this number, how much money of the total IT spend in Vattenfall. Mm. I, I know these numbers, I'm not going to tell them, but I know in detail of, of our run spend and project spend that we could relate to data, mm. BI, analytics and AI. Right. And that was actually way more substantial uh, than we thought. Right. And now I'm talking about the IT spend and then you need to put the IT spend in relation yeah. to Vattenfall spend, which yeah. is... But I think that's an interesting one, right? It is. It is, for sure. But if we were to put um, countries into focus and, and just compare Sweden to some other countries and, and perhaps also some kind of Western and, and other non or less democratic countries. Uh, we the can elephant in the room. <laughs> yes, maybe. <laughs> right. I don't think it's an elephant. 
Ah. Oh, it's an elephant, but it's not a hidden elephant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Chinese, for example, you know, yeah. they said, for example, you know, that they have a big plan since 2015 and they revamped it in 2017 and they're going to be, you know, revamping their AI efforts in extreme and they're going to be in 2030, the leading country in the world. And they have a, like a nationally, uh, empowered strategy for really making this happen and putting a huge amount of money into it. I think Putin in Russia once said, um, the country that's leading in AI will be ruling the world. Right. Uh, and these are really strong words, mm. words, right? You think this is too strong or would you agree with Putin in this way? Agree <laughs> with Putin, interesting. Well, there, right. There's a lot of um, nuances there. I mean, the fact that he's, Talking about somebody ruling the world is per se problematic. <laughs> That's not how I see. I look at the world, but yeah, I mean, uh, as as a tool, however, it is used um, for sure. That that is it, it is a, a legitimate thing to say that uh, this is going to change how um, power is used, and and uh, it's going to change also uh, the the equality between different states for sure if not uh if not um i mean if not if we talk about violence but rather economically of course and that's what we're seeing today right. already of course if you talk about the us i mean the big the big tech co tech companies that are sort of ruling the world at least they're ruling yeah. the digital world so yes. we're seeing that already and tech companies in china as well yes of course yeah but but could we you know could you take a step back you know maybe why is this such a transformative power? Why, why is that? We said it a little bit before, but could we just elaborate a little bit? Why is this such a transformative, uh, transformative power? Well, well it's uh, one thing is it's the efficiency, right? You can, you can make so many things more efficient, right? Mm. And that's uh, when it comes to businesses. I mean, that's the, the thing that they're working on every, like every day. That's, um, that's capitalism, right? You mm -hmm. need to do what you're doing more efficiently. Every, every, I mean, every day, every hour, every second. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. But also, I mean, the, the capacity and the capacity that you can sort of, sort of, uh, shift away from these repetitive, um, I mean, uh, things that you need to do. If you're at, at a workplace, then you perhaps don't need five people anymore to do one thing. You need one person that sort of looks at the system and, and that's all right. So these four other people can do other things. So you can use your resources yeah. better, right? So that's, that, that are, those are two things. Uh, and I think those two things coupled with what you said before, that this is general tech. Mm. This is like a uh, transformative, like electricity uh, to that it, that it powers everything. Right. Right. So uh, algorithms can power any process. As long as data is a part of the process. Yeah. As long as data is the new goal or it's the goal or whatever, then that's, that's a fact. And if you start looking at where data is, is everywhere, right? Yeah. I like to say gold and not oil, because I hate the comparison <laughs> between data and oil. Yeah, yeah. It's been, you know, Actually, uh, I, I can defend the conversation about uh, data and oil. And, but <laughs> no, I don't think you can. No, 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 I can't. I want to hear this as well. <laughs> the, and I actually done, done the same definition by, by um, if we had one of those, uh, ah, you know, when we had for data innovation summit, I did like a, an article and I, and I was going for, for a very simple argument. I, I, I didn't invent it. And then uh, one of the keynote speakers, Bill Schmarso has had this conversation as well. And it's easy to misunderstand that literally the data is the new oil. Mm. But if, if you look at it from 
economical power perspective, the Rockefellers and how they changed the world, you know, dominating as, as a, uh, the market or dominating world trade mm -hmm. based on their, um, uh, the, the oil divide in the world, so to speak, right? right? So if you look at this from an economical power structure point mm -hmm. of view, I think uh, the comparison is quite uncanny. Mm -hmm. uh, if you start going into data as oil in terms of well, oil is, I mean, like data is forever. Data should be the new sun, at least, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I can like fully agree with when people literally talk about data as the new oil and trying to make it uh, as powering our, you know, the, no, from the economical point of view. Yeah. And the, the, uh, the economical construct of, of the, what was fueling the industrial revolution and how data is fueling the, the data AI revolution. But, uh, but, but please, not in the technical <laughs> sense. Right. Yeah, I still hate it. Sorry. <laughs> and, um, I think there are so many bad connotations to oil that doesn't apply okay. to AI. And when it comes that, to being a limited resource that we do have, and it's usually yeah, fuels the limits the um, it's not a limited warming, resource. That the warming that we have, and um, that is not the case with AI. So I think it's wrong for so many reasons. And I think gold is so much better. So I'm much more. Going <laughs> to continue to use the data is the new sun. <laughs> that could be better. Let's move more into the book. And um, you had a certain structure um, of the book and the chapters they do have. And um, what was your thinking in, you know, how we were to find the discourse or the structure of the book? What was the thinking there? Oh, I think uh, I did what the companies in, or a lot of companies in this book tells us not to do, actually. Mm -hmm. Trust your gut feeling. <laughs> yeah, because uh, that's, uh, I think it's, um, I think it's Electrolux that are talking about, uh, I mean, using AI, it um, takes away this gut feeling decision making, right? Mm -hmm. And it goes to looking at data and get a more scientific um, basis for the decision to be made. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the total opposite of what I did. I just looked at it and, and, and thought that, you know, um, we need to have some sort of balance and some sort of mix that so that the reader, you know, stays awake uh, when he or she <laughs> reads it. Uh, and, uh, and that's, that's only, you know, sort of a, a feeling. So yeah, we'll see how it pans out. Cool. And, and then basically the chapters, you have a number of companies that to speak to mm -hmm. and, and they become different chapters and it's mixed in with also more like descriptive topics like yep. what is AI, etc. Um, so how, how did you come to that? Was that just because it was practical to do it or, or do you have some kind of thought behind it that it actually makes people more interested in continuing reading it in some way or? That's, that's one thing. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm, I, I wanted the mix to, you know, to keep the reader in, in sort of in the book. Um, mm -hmm. but also it's the public service, uh, thing in me yeah. after Sveiser Audio, you need to have, um, I mean, you need to be able to provide sort of a, a, um, some level of understanding when you, when you go to the next st story, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the, I tried to get these sort of uh, in between sections, uh, to be able to, I mean, I wanted the reader to have that with them when they went into another story, because it could be something that is brought up in the, in the story, in the business case, basically, that is, um, that they need some sort of understanding of. So, so that's you, what I thought. So you, you see, you're getting the story to move along by having the different cases. Yeah. But as you go along, you need to weave in more 
pedagogic. You learn a little bit more, a little bit more. Right. So you're leveling up. Yeah, I in, think in so. In the conversation, I think so. And then you end up with these uh, very practical um, do's and don'ts. Mm. So that and that was important as well because I wanted people that were like the ones that have heard, had heard of, of AI, but they didn't really know how they could work with it. I wanted them to like get a very, very practical, you know, this is how you should think about AI when you want to start work with it. And this is, uh, this is what you can do when you come to work on Monday, do this. And how did you picture the reader or the target audience for the book? Who was your, I want this, I, I think these people will read the book or buy the book and, but who do I, who do you want to read the book? Uh, I, I had two, two profiles. One was the sort of the middle manager. Mm-hmm. He wants, he or she wants to rise, uh, in the hierarchy. And this is a way to do it, to, uh, bring in some knowledge that could be priceless. Mm-hmm. The other one is the, um, the, um, so the small business uh, owner or the the entrepreneur that has a good idea and uh, it, it's not it, it doesn't I mean it doesn't involve AI in any way but the idea the main idea is good but they can use AI to make it better so that's the other one those two profiles were like the ones that I was seeing when I was sitting there Friday night everybody was out partying I was there at mm-hmm. eleven o'clock so, so you did not read it as a wake up call kicking the butt for the politicians. That I, I actually have given it to some of the, some politicians <laughs> already. So it's, uh, yeah. So that, then you had that idea. Yeah. As well. yeah. <laughs> I cool. didn't hit them in the head with it, but I just, you should read this. Almost. Yeah. But we have a number of companies and it would be fun to just speak about, you know, some company mm. uh, and the chapter that you find extra interesting uh, for some reason. Uh, so think about if, if you can think about some ex- some company that was extra interesting to speak about. But then we have a bit more of, um, you know, descriptive kind of topics, everything from what is AI. I think we covered that. I think we need to go more, much more into that. Uh, It's also about, you know, how Sweden finances AI. It's about how investors think. It's about, you know, how Sweden is positioned in the world and the ethics about AI and the impact on the job market and how how to get started. I think it's a great topic as well. But perhaps we should start with the companies. And um, you have so many of them, Electrolux, uh, Dr. 24, Ikea, Minalis, iBase, AVB, and, and so forth. Is there is some company that you found extra interesting to, to just mention and speak about their view of AI? Is? I think uh, all of them are, of course, very, very interesting. But but one that stood out for me was uh, this, uh, it's not a startup anymore, but it's still a young company. It's uh, greater than. Oh. the uh, They provide us... Um, an insurance solution mm-hmm. and uh, um, they uh, are able to um, measure uh, and this is in in um, when it comes to cars right mm-hmm. so they are able to measure how a driver uh, drives and then they can make a profile out of it and then they can um, then they can give you a price a price the pricing is, is set due to your driving right and that also makes it possible to either um, increasing or decreasing the price of the insurance. So you as a driver can affect how the pricing is set because, uh, it also, it all depends on how you're driving. And, and, um, it stood out to me. So they actually have some kind of device that they put in the car or your mobile they... phone. Oh. 
So they're using data from um, speed, uh, it's sim- GPS, let's say, yeah. uh, direction uh, and um, where you are and the, the traffic situation and all these uh, different things that they're measuring. And from that, I mean, first of all, it's, it's really cool that you can actually do something about um, the pricing. But also it's a thing that it, uh, it makes sure or it, it can make sure that people drive become better drivers or safer drivers because they have uh, they have this gain they get a cheaper insurance so that uh, that's a really cool thing and also it's it's uh, it could be disruptive because we have these these giant companies that are just um, getting all the money and they get Tesla I guess yeah Yeah. right right this is a Swedish company this is a Swedish company and their main market isn't in Sweden they don't sort of have any market at all in Sweden they're they're mainly in Asian countries, Japan, oh, yeah. uh, uh, where where they because, work because with that companies. was the, my next question yeah. because you know it can be rather intrusive if you have you know your position being tracked all the time by the GPS and the mobile phone. Right? Do you actually turn it off? You think you know when you're not driving a car, or are they basically tracking you? No, twenty four seven or you're. It, it's um, first of all, it's opt in. So like, sure, but to still. be able to. Get the contract. You need it's to like you know, going on Facebook and say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, accept terms of service," and they track everything anyway. <laughs> right, right. But you don't, you don't get a better price from from Facebook. You just give them your data, and that's it. But but um, no, it, it's not tracking you all the time. It's when you are driving. You are. They are tracking how, you for a limited you know? amount of time. How do you know when they're driving or not? Because uh, it's when you're when you're starting up a profile, yeah. uh, they're tracking you for a limited amount of time. When you're driving, then you get that profile. You push a button saying "I'm driving right yeah. now." Yeah. Oh, you do. Yeah. And then when you're done, you get this. You, you get um, you get a so, profile. So if you are in a hurry, you can you know ignore pushing the button. And you can drive like crazy. And no, but you update the profile uh, in certain um, times, right? So it's not all. It's not every time you're driving. Sounds fishy to me. Say, <laughs> really? Uh, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> Why? Let's not go into details. For one, you can choose when you want them to track you. And of course you drive, you know, in a safe way when you know they're listening or, you know, tracking you. Mm. Then if you, you know, choose, you know, ah, shit, I have a, you know, I need to really hurry up going there and and you drive like crazy. Then of course you choose not to let Mm. them track you. Right. Is that really working well? I mean, compared to the fact that you uh, drive like an asshole every time you're in the car. Yeah, but they would never, you know, turn on, you know, your driving then simply. Right, but I mean, with a with the old system, yeah. right? You're um, if you're a bad driver, I mean, you mm-hmm. take a lot of risk. Then you're you're probably paying. Uh, I mean, you're not paying enough, right? Mm-hmm. And that uh, that difference in in um, what you pay. I mean, I as a great driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, not no question about that. Right. I, I think you know the idea about having data driven insurance is is awesome, and I mm-hmm. think that's something that we should have more of. Mm-hmm. I just think that you know, just using a mobile phone to track that is, is potentially questionable. Mm. And I think Tesla has a much better opinion, but because they have a you know a phone in in the car, right? And then they simply can you know, track you when they want to, and not otherwise, right? But then and you're also faced with the fact that you're always tracked. Yes. Well, yeah. When you're driving, yes. Yeah. I'm biting, but not my, otherwise. I'm right. biting my tongue now because uh, friends that works that I work together with in the same company consortium. It's an Italian company, and in in Italy, you have a telematic device in every single car by law. So what we are talking about here, uh, my friends have built these systems, and they are in production in the biggest insurance companies in Italy Mm. for several years. Mm. Uh, They have been doing both the mobile phone, but the real one that that they they have 
is the telematic device, but they take it one step further because they also have crash data. So they, they can even look, they have data and this is because of the device in the car, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so here you have a different law that you need to have this telematic device mm -hmm. and, and therefore you have a lot of information in that device. So right. it's also interesting how, you know, a different law has opened up a different opportunity. Right. I mean, no, no question about, you know, that greater than is an awesome idea and the business model is great. It's just a question of how, how do you track the data properly yeah. without being too intrusive, right? That's yeah. the only question. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and, but why was this interesting to you? Or wh why do you find this an interesting case? Well, first of all, because uh, the solution is, uh, the solution is quite interesting because uh, I didn't know that it was actually, it was doable. Able, yeah, doable, right? Mm -hmm. So th that's first of all. And also they are trying to disrupt something uh, and they are small and they're heading out uh, to get these giants, right? That's their, one of the targets. And I should say that their main business is not insurance anymore. It's, uh, it's um, car sharing, right? You oh. go and you, and you rent a car, uh, as a subscription, right? And yeah. like, I need a car for this weekend. So uh, I go out and I can rent a, a Volvo or whatnot. And that of course, uh, sort of is a solution to this problem because yeah. then you're only tracked when you're using the service. Yeah, yeah, and so, because all these companies, Volvo and, and the Japanese car makers and, and, and the Germans, they need to know if we're gonna have another business model, we're not gonna be able to sell a car to every yeah. customer anymore. We're gonna rent our cars. Uh, then they need to know how much is a customer gonna cost us. Um, that's perfect. That's yeah. a circular economy, you know, yep. sustainable uh, development. And Matthias Lindor would love this uh, <laughs> if he heard, you know. So, so that's the main business case yes. for greater, greater okay. than these yeah. days. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, awesome. Cool. Any other company that you'd okay. like to mention as well? Uh, I know, that, for example, the Swedish tax authority is an impressive company that do a lot of, <laughs> uh, you know, innovative stuff. stuff or they do. They're somewhat secretive about it, but they yeah. can tell me some stuff. And, the, and it is fascinating. Of course, we, we, we all in some ways know that they're, they're watching us and, uh, uh, they're at least watching our, our tax forms and, uh, they're processing the tax forms, but it was interesting to hear more, more facts about that and more how they are thinking about, uh, the possibilities of AI in the future. So that's a sort of a, a big thing in that, in that chapter, but I would say also OBBA is always interesting. Okay. Yeah. In what way? In, Due to the fact that they are so broad, I mean, they they offer solutions in such a, a yeah. That was my variety. question. Who in what part of ABB did you talk to? I spoke to I spoke to uh, one part that was that they are um, developing. Um, I mean, shipping, right? Mm -hmm. um, the marine part of ABB, where they want ships to like dock for themselves, I mean, auto driving, <clears throat> but also, uh, being able to measure, um, measure when a device is going to break, right? They have these uh, electric motors. So they maintenance. Kind yeah. Of. So they can just uh, track it and see, you know, and then they give the captain, you know, your, this engine is going to break in this or that amount of hours. If you drive it in this way, if you drive it in another way, it's going to break. So they can plan the, the service. That was a, very cool. And also, um, sun, um, solar power. So they use a camera and, and they, uh, film the sky and they can see when the clouds are, are uh, sort of coming into the, the solar power plant and they can see like, okay, this is going to be a problem because, uh, there's going to be a lot of clouds. So we're going to have to reroute the power to, from some other source. And that was also quite astonishing, I think. Awesome. So all this 
use case applications for data and AI. And I think another interesting point with the selection of uh, the companies, I think use the selection proves AI fits everywhere. Right. I think that was part of the point of how you selected the use cases, I assume. It was, it you was. You wanted to figure out this is industry, this is banking, yeah. this is manufacturing, this is energy. Also, it was important to, to show that this is a very, very, very small company mm. and this is a huge company. Exactly. And, and all the way you can use it. So basically, you, you're basically then by proving the spectra yeah. where, where it fits, which is everywhere. Right. As long as you figure it out for your point, from your point of view or from your domain for sure and i think uh, coming back to great greater than the fact that they were sort of sneaky when they when they started out because they had this goal where they are right now right the product that they wanted to be able to to give their customers but to be able to get there they had to have an sort of a strategy to get the data so they started out providing a total other um, different um, solution so the service, what they got, went to market with first was something else. Yeah, totally. Which has, this, which was a data acquisition strategy. Yes, exactly. So, and they knew that, you know, this is only going to fund some of the research, but we're going to have to survive for five or six years. And, you know, to be able to, to know that and, and still move on. It's, I mean, five or six years, you had to have some sort of doubt on the way to, to get in here. So that was quite cool. And that's all, sort of one of the, the ways that that companies need to think i mean a big part of our solution is going to be how will we get the data because that's the key it's already like um, half past six and, and i'd like to at least cover some of the more descriptive kind of chapters like the the financing part the investors the positioning in the world the ethics etc but if we could try to do it in a, like a lightning talk way so saying like one two minute per per thing right so we really have to think, you know, how, how can we really make the core message? And then people that want to know more have to read, you know, buy the book buy the and book. they can <laughs> they can fix that. But, and if you were still to just try to give some highlights of, mm. let's start with, you know, how Swedish AI is financed. You know, how would you, what would you say the, the core messaging, so to speak, of, of that chapter would be? The core messaging is that it comes from a small part of the Swedish industry. Um, one of the, the big families that owns a lot of Swedish industry. <laughs> you can say the name. It's okay. <laughs> Wallenberg family. Uh, with the wasp and everything. Yeah. Yes, with the wasp. They have, uh, they have seen, uh, what I think that I've seen that uh, this is something that is inevitable. We need to put a lot of resources into it or we risked, I mean, Sweden as a country and, and the industry, the Swedish industry are taking very big risks if we are not doing it, right? Mm -hmm. So they see the um, the um, the need for it and they, of course, see uh, an investment opportunity. So they are funding it basically. Yeah. And just to give an example of that, I mean, they finance, for example, a big AI cluster in Linköping yeah. called Berzelius, which is a superpod of uh, 60 GGX machines of A100 uh, GPUs or 480 A100 GPUs. I mean, it's a big thing. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's cool. And also they have a spread of the investments. I mean, they're going into companies, but they're also um, having these uh, projects and doing those kinds of investments yeah. that you mentioned. So it's a, it's a broad spectrum. And they have the biggest, you know, research pro program in yeah. the world, in Sweden, you yeah. know, with uh, 5.5 billion crowns yeah. in doing, yeah, Wallenberg autonomous systems. And it's AI interesting. Program. One, com so one it's the biggest in the world. One, com yeah. one, one funding entity is funding way more than yeah. the government. The As government. mentioned, yeah. 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 
it's yeah interesting to to note that you know this is a bit how how the Swedish financing works in a big way. Yeah, and then we can have another discussion what that means if that's good or bad. Yeah. But, but right. let's not let's do that later. Yeah. I mean, let's continue with the lightning talk. I certainly do a lot of good as well, but, but it's also a bit sad that other people are not doing the same same right. type of financing, and especially perhaps from a government point of view. Yes. I guess so. Politicians is lagging behind a bit there. Yeah, right? for sure. For sure. I mean, the, the funding that they're doing is good, of course, because yeah. then we get somewhere. Exactly. But it, the, the, the bad thing is that others aren't following exactly. them. That's right? a big problem. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. So, so thinking more about, you know, VC and investors, et cetera, um, you had a chapter about that as well. What's the, the core messaging there you were saying? Yeah. I wanted to hear what, uh, what, the investors think because uh, one of the one of the reasons uh, that I started to write the book was the fact that that, that we spoke about earlier the the sort of the hype of AI that mm. companies were using AI uh, saying that they were using AI they used AI as a as a word to be able to get funding right yeah. for their ideas <clears throat> and that's 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 nothing strange per se because everybody believes in their idea and they want to get some funding. It's more a marketing trick. Yeah, they use. indeed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I wanted to have their, I mean, the investors view on partly that, of course, and how they think about that, but also um, their view on, on on what what the gains of AI is for for a small company that is in sort of starting out from the beginning and, and trying to to. Um, to reap the benefits of their idea and trying to, to to get the company to grow, and so I think that's a, a very that's a very that's sort of a, a key part of the ecosystem of of the Swedish uh, digital economy because these these people are I mean the investors are a, a a big player there so you need to be able to know how they think and what they see uh, as um, important things when you want their money basically. Mm-hmm. And I thought if, you know, some person is, is listening and they have a startup and they're using AI, um, well, what would your advice for them be and how they should approach investors and, and speak about their the use of AI potentially? Make sure that you're actually using AI, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> but also um, make sure that you have, uh, that, that you actually have your ethics with you when you come into the meeting. Like the investors want to know how will you, Ethics is a big thing for investors. They want to know how will you use this data? Can you be able to, 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 um, get the data that you want in a, in a good way or, or like in a legitimate like privacy, way? Uh, yeah. Integrity point of view. Right. right. Because that's a, that's key for them or else yeah. you can have uh, the greatest idea ever. They won't invest in it if you have those things. Um, if you don't have those things uh, clear for you. Awesome. Great, great uh, advice. I would say. Okay, coming to more Sweden and, and how it's positioned in the world. Um, what's your main thinking there? I think it was interesting to hear um, about the fact that uh, sort of the strategy, because that's that's something that um, that I write, I write about in the book. The strategy that Sweden or the investors in Sweden have, because of course they realize that we can't compete with uh, the American companies or yeah. the Chinese companies. It's yeah. it's impossible. Yeah. So uh, they have so far uh, looked at what areas that Sweden could compete in. And so they looked at very, these very specific uh, smaller areas and that's where they will put like all the resources. And where, where is that in a nutshell? Mainly the things that we're already already good at. Good at. Like 5G. That could be some, yeah, f- for sure, for sure. Te- telecommunications. Telecommunications right? is yeah. a focus area. Yeah, but it's impossible to be able to, I mean, uh, let's say, uh, 
image recognition or face recognition or something like that, it's impossible for Sweden or Swedish companies. So what's the other games beyond, uh, could you, did you highlight them in the book? I mean, yes, I did. Some, some of them, I'd say they, they are talking about towers, right? These specific towers where we can sort of defend. And which ones do you want to highlight? Telecommunications is one of them. Yep. I mean, the, the, of course we have Volvo and the yeah, automotive, yeah, automotive industry. Um, but also, um, what's more, it's, Those are sort of the ones I think. Music. Yeah. <laughs> Music. That wasn't actually one of them. It wasn't, but it should be. It should be, right? Shouldn't it? Isn't it amazing that the small startup starting from Sweden actually took over the big tech giants? In right. This, in this one, right. it's, it's, it's crazy. Isn't it amazing that we have King, you know, a company that creates games that uh, is, is like leading in, in a big way? Well, we the whole gaming industry in Sweden is quite healthy, right? We have Skype, you know, that they they're bought by, you know, the big tech giant, but, but still, you know, the, it was created in Sweden and they right. create something. I can't say I like Skype, so <laughs> it, it is a bit hurting my heart <laughs> to say this, but still impressive. But Niklas that we is have, amazing. Yes. 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 And, and, and that's the main thing is with the investors, like if you uh, have some sort of success with the company, then you become a part of the ecosystem. So mm. like you become an investor and you've already done that sort of first journey to, mm. to build that company. So you know the part, like the steps that every company that grows needs yeah. to take. So yeah. that's a, that's a very important thing of the ecosystem and, and mm. the you start a business. Cool. And you also have a chapter about ethics and the law about AI. Um, and this is of, I think we could speak hours mm. about this uh, topic alone, but okay. Just try to give some highlights about that. Frustration would be the word. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of frustration mainly because of GDPR, of course, yes. um, yeah. like where, where the regulators have regulated first and then seen the consequences, right? Awesome. I, I love the way you phrased that. That's perfectly my, you know, that's very be much my view as well. Right. So. Big, big, I mean, the, the, the thought was, of course, that we should have some sort of basically consumer rights or, or protection. Yeah, because for the, the intention was good right yeah, from the yeah, beginning, right? Yeah. It, it, but it didn't turn out that very so, good. And, and how, with your sort of, uh, I, well, now I, I shouldn't say scientific view, but journalistic view, mm -hmm. what was the problem? Or, you know, you summarized it, but could you elaborate a little bit like it didn't turn out so well? What's the problem here? Well, one of the things uh, is, of course, the cost, the cost for the companies to be able to um, implement these rules that were that are so very hard to understand, like um just when it comes to the law, right? When it comes to re regulations to not, because that's, that's sort of the, the main thing here that companies, they put restraints on themselves because they don't want to make a mistake because the, so they're over, ex over exaggerated. I mean, like they, they are careful. They're very careful, right? So, so they don't want to take any chances. And that could mean that innovation or ideas just get debunked because it's paralyzation. It, yeah. I mean, like the problem they didn't anticipate was paralyzation yeah. in some ways. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because they, 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 for logic reasons, don't have the courage to move on with ideas because that could in some way. Because in order to move on, you need to have lawyers and need to be data yeah. literate. Exactly. And the lawyer thing is, of course, the main thing. And and, and, and and by the way, this is our argument here that you actually, the thing you wanted to stop to have the tech giants sort of mo moving in with their monopoly, if, right. if you're really cynical about GDPR, mm. it, it has something to do with the privacy of us. Mm. It has an equal amount around saving the money and cash from the tech giants right. for them to monetize on us, right? right? The problem is that we usually say there's a trifecta why this is uh, 
easier for the tech giants. They have the lawyers. Yeah. They have the cash and the money in order to fight any 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 topic, and they have the tech stack and the data literacy in order to actually. This is not even a problem to us because right. our systems are so good, so we can actually turn you off and on. Right. What you can't really do in an old type system. Mm. Yeah, so for there's sure. There's a trifecta which actually backfires the whole idea, or like a big portion of why we did GDPR. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, because the, the ones that are suffering are the small. Companies, exactly. the entrepreneurs. The tech giants is not suffering at all from no, GDPR, no. in my opinion. No, not the big companies, not only tech companies, but also the big companies. They have all the resources that they need, right? But it's the small companies and the entrepreneurs which are so important for the yeah. for Sweden to be able to compete. Yeah. So it's hindering innovation in, in ways, and and uh, I hope you don't, um, you know, had to to go into the whole new AI acts being proposed and and all the the thoughts about that, but. Yeah, that's frustrating when you read it. Right, I can tell you. Right, and that's yeah. also, I mean, uh, as as we said before, it's also one of the main things with the book that we need to get this uh, this conversation going because uh, these decisions are made now and yeah. they've already been made, right? And it's these, been made, and yeah. and I don't think they have learned the lessons from GDPR, and right. now they're doing the same thing again. Right, and it's a bit disconcerting and frustrating right. for sure. Right, big cool. politics. Yeah, it's big politics for sure. Okay, job market. Um, what do you think the impact of AI will be on the job market? I think the union the, that I'm talking to in, in the book, um, the union, uh, the, their point of view is, I think it's quite legitimate. Some jobs will disappear, of course, mm -hmm. because the AI can do it better. We talked about this um these repetitive um, things that they're doing better, but some jobs will, of course, also um, be will be created from from this. Um, yes. So it's it. I think it's going to be uh, just a shift rather than bottom line. Net positive, negative, or use shift. I think net negative. Net negative. Yes, oh, yeah. and that's why perhaps Gartner thinks differently. I can tell you, but right? Okay. Mm -hmm. But and, and that's perhaps where we need to have a discussion of whether it's logic that we work eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. uh, should we work six hours? Should we work more or less? That sort of discussion should be made because I think that uh, in the long run, and perhaps not even in the long run, perhaps in the very near future, um, people will be out of jobs, but also people that are educated, that do all these things and, and that get these jobs, perhaps they are not needed as much as they are today, even though today, let's be honest, Sorry, eight hours. I have to have do small, we really work eight hours? I don't know. I have to have a small technical break. Can, can you just continue the discussion about the job market and then potentially get into, get started with AI kind of thing? This is the back. first. Yes, I know. This is I, the first. I, I try to. The, the, this is the competition. The IPA. The, this is the competition to have a, to have a, a AI, AI after work and uh, not having a technical break. Right. And how many episodes have we done without a technical break? 40. So, wow, so the competition, so the competition has gone on for 42 hour <laughs> sessions, drinking beer. Right. And no one has cracked. <laughs> and now understood. And it's cracked first. I love that. Right. There's a medical thing. But, it, but, it, but it, it, it was bound to happen at some point. Right. There's a solution of this though. You can put something in, you can connect it. No, <laughs> don't go there. F1 please, drivers. Please don't go there. But, right. but to summarize the job market discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So net negative. Yeah. In, in the sense that uh, we maybe should even work less. Even. I mean, like, and, and maybe the, what you're highlighting is, you know what, people are not working and then these guys are working 20 hours, per, you know, right. you know right. not uh, eight hour. Right. 
I'm not actually saying we should work less. I'm just saying the the discussion should be had if we can do it or if we should do it, right? There's yeah. a lot of people on this planet, right? Yes. And uh, they are, we only have 24 hours, right? Yes. So how much, I mean, if we have some sort of technical solution that could change that, then, well, we should at least discuss it. Yeah. What's the value of a principle if it's if it's redundant, right? Yeah. And and in the end, it's... It, it, that uh, that it will shift that is a given right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but how we want to that shift to happen is also up to our thinking of our society and our way of life yeah and and the bottom line is is productivity yeah. and and also growth if we can have the productivity Activity and growth we and need growth, then what's the problem right great and what do uh, you think uh, do you work 8 hours a day as an entrepreneur, no, I work more. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I think it's healthy? Do I think I can manage my uh, work-life balance mm-hmm. in a good way? I can't. Right. And would I want it different? My, I hope my wife is not listening. I don't know. I kind of right. like my job. <laughs> if my like employee <laughs> is listening, I am working 10 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> now the bottom line is yeah. that I don't know why I'm working too much. Right. I, I think it, I could probably swing it with less hours, but, right. but to be like honest, I kind of like, like I, yeah. I get engrossed in the work, work, work I do. So it has more about my personality mm. that I, you know, you get into the flow mm. and then, oops, that was a couple of more hours than I was right. planning to do. Right. Was that painful? Not but, really. Right. But then it's fulfilling, right? Fulfilling on one way, but if I took, if I, if I look at a, a holistic now, it becomes very personal, mm. right? But holistically with the family and all that, I probably made the wrong choice. Mm. So then I need to rewire my brain, but has that got to do anything with policy or like this? I, I, highly, highly personal. I think how we are like people, right. individuals. Right. Uh, what I do think about this what I subscribe to personally is freedom of choice. Mm. So how can we provide a society where we don't all need to fit into the uh, uh, size 101 format? Right. You know, we can't all have a Volvo, a dog and a red house, mm. right? Uh, there needs to be different uh, path uh, to success, right? right? Or to happiness. And I think data and AI and this could uh, drive flexibility Mm. and it could drive not as rigid path for, you know, how to succeed or, you know, what you're expected to do. Uh, So if data and AI and the change in the job market actually allows me to, you know, think about what is working for me, uh, I'm all for it. And I think actually it has a huge potential to do exactly that. Right. But how it will change if you're an entrepreneur? Your job is to. Do no, the, uh, if I choose your job to, is not to to, to lay. If I'm if I if I if I decide yeah. to go down the entrepreneurial path, there will always be I uh, have an opportunity. Work eight to five no, it's, it's not going to change. But the flexibility is also then how I can you know maybe balance my work life balance better because I can then get other services. I can do things in another way. But is it really? So if you get more tools to get more done and you're an entrepreneur, your job is to actually, you know, push forward. You want to get more money. So if you, if you get double more effective, which probably is equal for you making double more money or, uh, right? So maybe, you, so but 
But I think it, there is a diminishing of returns as well. Mm-hmm. So if I can get some, you know, it's like, okay, if I put in this effort, uh, it's great. I put in a double of effort, it, you know, at some point, you know, money is not the problem or there's other things. So I think the diminishing of returns will make me value the next hour of work less and less and less and less. So I, I then applaud the flexibility or, or you know, uh, but, but I think the bottom line is it, it, it's going to boil down to what type of work you do. If you're working for yourself, if you're trying to grow a company That's versus if you're working with someone else. Are still speaking about the job markets or? Yes. 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 <laughs> we got stuck on that. Are you done? So <laughs> we, we took, we took the full. So what's, what's, sum- what's the summary of the, the impact uh, that AI will have? Uh, net negative. Net negative, slight net negative, but mainly a shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then we came into is that a good thing or a bad thing, yeah. and what's the you know how how what what type of society do we want? Yeah, which I think is a very healthy conversation. Yeah, more healthy conversation actually than to do a doomsday discussion. Yeah, you know about the numbers for sure because that's sort of one of the important things that the book uh, I wanted to write about in the book, of course, because. I'd say the discussion about work and AI is always ending up in this doomsday scenario, right? The robots are taking over, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. I think it will be beautiful because we can get rid of the horrible jobs that we will have today and start working with more fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be awesome. Being creative. I can become a surf instructor. I love it. (laughs) Okay. So for anyone that's want to get started in or with AI, what's your best Read the book. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I should have seen that coming. Oh, that's a penalty kick off. Right. The gold leaves the gold. <laughs> I love I had it. to do that. No, first of yes, all, of course, um, of course, first of all, I'd say um, make sure that uh, you, know, you know what you're getting into. I mean, knowledge about, um, the more knowledge you have, the easier it, it will be, right? So you need to know. Get uh, the knowledge. Yeah, get the knowledge. That's, that's the main thing, I'd say, if you, if you want to start off. And then the first step would be, you know, uh, start thinking about uh, what data and how to get it. And, you know, it all starts with the data. Yeah. If you don't have it, yeah. then AI is an impossibility, as we know. Yeah. Yes, good, good, well said. So all about the data. Awesome. And we still have some time, at least 10 minutes, with some more philosophical questions. Mm. And I hope you're up for that as well, uh, if we may. Shoot. Uh, we have some other stuff. For the, okay, let's skip Actually, that. Actually, uh, can I have a lightning uh, okay. approach? Very quick. Mm-hmm. Approach. For someone who, uh, as a summary to writing a book, mm. you know, if you have this kind of dream, I'm like, I'm, all, I'm almost asking personally, oh, I kind of, oh, of want to write the book. What is your lessons learned on how to go about the process to get started or to motivate yourself? Or you did it in a certain way, you, you asked for a grant. Mm. Do you have any advice of, of uh, potential? We all have one book in us, you said before. Right. It's a saying. Well, you do need to have a clear view on how the book is going to end. Although this is not a drama in any way or, or a novel, I still needed to have a good sense of how is this going to end? How, how, how am I going to end the book in a way so that, you know, whenever, when, the reader is done with it, they're going to feel like, you know, this is sort of a, um, this is all I need. And then you need a good ending, right? So you start basically with, you know, I can't, you can think about a book, but in order to start being really honest about writing a book, yeah. you kind of need to have, you think you should have a, a good ending. Yeah. Good ending. Start with the ending. 
this is how we want to because because also the ending could be sort of a summary of everything that that you've you've written right mm. so that's that's where you should start because that is also probably the draft that you will present to the publisher the ending yes the summary this is this is all that is in the book right? okay the summary the so the the ending or the disposition <clears throat> like yeah. you, you you want to be able to touch the book yeah this is what it is in if one you want to go from wishing and dreaming to mm-hmm. putting things in reality yep. checkpoint number one before even considering it yeah do you have you have your clear vision yeah and that that is the summary mm. right so one page 2500 words okay like so that. given that you've written your first book do you have any plans for uh, any new books uh i do yes you do yes it's uh i have a, a plan uh, i won't disclose too much but it, it's it's um it's about work as well it's not about uh, ai per se but it's uh, it's about it's about work yeah so it's i have other projects already started so yeah i i have a book idea <coughs> And I, I sense sure that you, you did. <laughs> I, I, I have a book idea, right. and I will actually launch it in a small way, in a fun way, on the Date Invasion Summit. Right, be there. Can we have some some sort of uh, you know? Can you give us something about? It? Go to the conference. Right, right, <laughs> right. No, so actually, I have I have a I've been toying with an idea, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do uh, something fun with it on the on the conference. Uh, it's not going to fly, but I, I had fun doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a cliffhanger. No- yeah, it's a cliffhanger. Yeah. It's a novel series. Oh, really? Mm. Say no more. You're not going to murder anyone at the conference, right? You know what? <laughs> I got the it, Christie style. You, you know he, what? He's not allowed to. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> actually, you, you're actually touching closely to the whole topic. I am. Wow. Okay. M- not murder. Swedish noir, but Swedish. Uh, uh, you know, not not noir, not AI noir, but it's I don't know. There something techy. Ah, we need to talk th- about this after the camera. All right, all right, right. <laughs> awesome. Let's go philosophical here. I, but I wanted to hear about you, Anders. What do you think about the the, the job market? Because I think I think uh, if I can guess that you uh, your your point of view is net gain, right? Mm. Yes. Why? Um, bec- <laughs> it's kind of easy, I think. Um, because the the jobs will change i agree with that for sure um but we can then start working with things that humans are really good at mm. it's so easy to see that you know one you know very hurtful sector of course will be the transport industry and, and that that will be really hurtful especially in us where like 30% of the workforce is driving trucks or something yeah. that that will be tough um but uh, if you think about you know what really ai is and and what really the best beneficial use of ai is is when you combine it with humans mm-hmm. so if you think about the nurse today for example doing healthcare they are limited to to what they have you know read and, and can do as a human if you combine the nurse with ai or with more powerful machines that can they can use together and work together a nurse can do do so many more things yeah. than they can today right so ai i think can be seen as a way to empower humans to do much more advanced tasks mm. that they couldn't do today that right. means that so many more people can do so many more helpful things that they can't do today in short you can get more people to do more helpful things by combining ai and humans and therefore it will be a net gain in workforce right 
And and by net gain, of course, you mean more people uh, will will have 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 a job, right? Yes. Right. A, a useful job right. and a fun right. job because right. they they you know focus on the part that you're not good at, and they get empowered by. You know, asking we are. You know, I, I hate quoting Elon Musk. No, I don't. But I, I do all the time anyway. But you know, he's speaking already today that humans are already having. You know, the the, the two layers that humans have, which um, is the limbic system just being reactive, and you have the cortex, which is more you know, the conscious part of ourselves that mm. we do have some planning and reasoning. But we actually already today have a third layer. Which is the mobile phone, the the laptop, and, and the internet that we do have access to, that allow us to do things that we could not do twenty years ago. So we already have a, a tertial layer, so to speak. That right. we have. He's arguing we are cyborgs already. Yes. Mm. The Homo Deus book as well is talking about that. So. Mm. Yeah, but if, if you really think about knowledge. what you can do with the phone and and how you have all the knowledge there, so of course, if you if you take it to the extreme, what what that definition is, well, this is a, an extension of us when we're walking around all the time, okay. and that will just increase uh, very very quickly, and it will be more and more naturally connected to us. We can just speak to the phone and speak to the computer, and and, and then Neuralink, and we can think and Neuralink, it. we don't even have to speak anymore, <laughs> um, right? But that that sort of uh, that puts. I mean, if you look at at the job market today, right? There are people that are jobless, and mm-hmm. and in theory, they should be able to work because we need their yes. their help, right? With with whatever they can do, <clears throat> but there are limited amounts of work, right? That's why some of the political partners are talking about. But it's limited not because we don't need it. I mean, imagine right. the number of challenges we have in our society today right. when it comes to medical needs, when it comes to power right. trip, when it comes to yeah. economics, but you're not when qualified. It comes to cli- right. Climate change, when it comes to so many different challenges For we sure. have in our society. So it's not a lack of jobs. It's it, the lack of competence, competence that right, we in that need. Job. So if we can get people to get more competent by combining with AI, we have you know endless amounts of jobs that we can right. do. It's just a problem that people are not competent enough today. Right. So if we can get people more competent by combining AI and machines, and sorry, AI and humans. Right, right. There are endless amount of jobs. So, so the do. bottom line, we have we have a deficit of seventy thousand IT workers in Sweden. They say we have clearly a problem in in school, and we have clearly a problem in 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 there. So 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 w- with this point, other people can c- come into the job market and mm. actually do a fairly good job. Right. That you now you need six years of tr- uh, high school, you know, training, mm. right. whatever. Which I'll, right in theory, yes, you are right. That I mean, the, all the help is needed, right? Yeah. But there are uh, certain uh, economic factors that are put into the today's system, right? Like the Nairu, the, the the amount of the workforce that cannot have a job because then inflation would be rising, right? And that's mm-hmm. that have been said to be around two or three percent, right? So mm-hmm. we have those factors in this old um, economic two or three system. Two percent is perfectly fine, right? I mean, that's not, if we're speaking about you know having an un- unemployment of like fifteen percent or yep. something, that would be problematic. Yeah. But having it around five percent or something, that would be perfectly fine. Right. I, I just think that the, the the current system isn't ready to to handle all these people that should uh, that are going to work. Right. You need to make structural changes as well on on many. Parts but we were of the talking about the net sh- negative or net yeah, gain. Yeah, yeah. So if, as long as we're about the same, yeah. I think that's the net. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. the net. Net net. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But we can't have hundred percent for sure. Right. Of course, uh, we just shouldn't have. I don't think. Anyway, okay. Let, let's move into at least one. 
philosophical. Uh, philosophical one. Right. And um, <coughs> okay, so so just speaking about we touched about the, you know AGI, we've spoken about human level intelligence or super intelligence. Was uh, we haven't mentioned singularity surprisingly enough, but right. But it would be fun to hear that. And, and let me just give a very like brief in, in introductory view of, of these three different topics. I think the three different definitions of them and, and just hear, do you agree with it? Are you scared about it? Uh, what do you think will happen? Uh, what kind of time horizon are we speaking about? Yeah. So uh, starting with human level AI, it basically means that we will have some kind of point in time where the AI will be as general as humans are and able to do basically any task that human can do in similar similar level of competence. Of course, obviously, it's very far from that today, but we can do some tasks is much easily, easily better than the humans can, but mm. not in a general sense. But there will be a point when we can have human level general intelligence. That's one point. Another point is AGI in general, which is far surpassing, you know, what humans could do because humans are really stupid. If mm. you think about it, we can't even multiply two numbers. We can't even think about uh, things more than two or three things at the time. We, we can't even remember stuff more than, you know, a few minutes. I mean, we are extremely limited in, in our ability to, to actually do reasoning and, and thinking. So there, there is a possibility to have a, like a super intelligence that is so much more powerful than humans ever can be, like magnitudes more. Right. That's what Elon Musk is speaking about a lot. Um, and then we have, you know, singularity and, and singularity can be phrased in, in very many ways, but, but in some ways it can be a, a question of control and that at some point, some kind of intelligent system will act and we will not have the power to turn it off. We will not have the power to foresee the consequences and it will be detrimental in some way, potentially. Mm. And then that can be like in a narrow way, like we could have some kind of stock market AI agent going rogue and destroying our economy, or it can be some kind of warfare where drones is just flying around and killing people, uh, you know, in a completely rogue way without uh, us controlling it mm. or in medicine or, you know, so many different ways. Um, what's your thinking here? And, and let me start with the human level uh, intelligence do you do you have any thoughts about this is that when do you think do you think it can happen do you think when do you think it can potentially happen well technically i think it can happen uh, for sure yeah i mean uh, it's uh, ones and zeros but but yeah technically i think it can happen and i don't see any problem with it at mm. all actually because if if it's the same le level as as i mean of course we wreak havoc, havoc <laughs> on this earth and we it's we are problematic as, as beings but um in in regards to our own safety then there's not a problem because if they have the same capacity as we have then they have the same capacity as we have when, when it comes to uh i mean uh understanding another person's situation i mean empathy mm -hmm. uh, so that shouldn't be any problem because so far, we haven't killed ourselves. So far, we haven't killed ourselves yeah. completely. So, yeah, yeah, that shouldn't be a problem. So, so your argument is that if you if you really truly talk about singularity to human-like intelligence and all that, then also the compassionate side mm. should grow. The emphasis side, you know, what what keeps us human. Yeah, they should also be able to learn that part. 
Yeah, for sure. And and, and if if that is sort of the the layout of the question here, if they become as as um, or if AI becomes as as intelligent or non intelligent than as we are, then uh, then that shouldn't be a problem because then they will develop all these skills that we have that sort of makes us human, the the beautiful side of the humans, right? Mm-hmm. So problem or you know p- possible from a technical point of view is, is one question. Uh, do you think there is something else that is really hard for a machine to do that the human brain has or a human <clears throat> soul has in some way that makes it pos- not possible for machines to have feelings or consciousness? But it's all, to human right, right. It all depends if you believe that there's a sort of a human nature, something that we are born with. So then it's a, it's a question about either you're a, there's something essential uh, that is human or just existentialism, like yeah. Sartre. Yeah. Uh, like we are just the, we are the sum of our, what we're doing, right? Yeah. And I haven't really landed on that yet. Um, but um, in, in, in the eyes of others, I am, of course, more what I'm doing than they than that they would think that you know I have something that is born within me and and you know something that drives me uh, it's just these material things I think mm. and that's very easy for the AI to be able to pinpoint mm. these are the things that humans want then I'll go for that as well so yeah uh, if you believe some people like Ray Kurzweil or something mm-hmm. they believe that you know it will be you know all things that we can see in technological development is exponential is is, his view. And you can think about Moore's law and whatnot. And if you just extrapolate from that, he basically says that already like in 2029, we will have the the computational power uh, that is similar to human brain. And uh, potentially then there is no reason why we shouldn't have at least human level at that point. But Mm. then it will just continue to just skyrocket in a way that will have like super... Uh, level of intelligence and 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 as Elon Musk says it you know um, we can reach you know human level but the point is that we'll be very quickly after that a point where a single AI system will have the combined intelligence of all humans in the world mm. uh, and that is just scaling up ex- you know in a you know, very much you know exponential way right is that something that scares you do you believe in that is that something that scares you um, I do I do believe in it I mean uh, Obviously, you can always also be, build a bigger machine, mm-hmm. right? So you can expand the capacity of the hardware, right? Yeah. But also this super intelligent uh, thing, or uh, if if you would have that uh, sort of that person, if you just lock that into a room, that's not going to be a problem because then they they can't see or hear or, or make any decisions of the world that we are living in, right? But if you put that into the world and you give all the tools that is needed to be able to understand the whole world and, and make some sort of um, logic decision into how the world should be in five or ten years, I mean, making the decisions basically, then mm. that could perhaps be a problem because, I mean there are very dark sides of, of the human being and we're doing a lot of bad stuff. Mm. And so uh, strictly logical, it perhaps would be, would be better if, if um, some changes were made. Mm. Perhaps the computer would think. I don't know. What do you think about this? Is this your book idea? No, not at all. Good. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I, I mean, like, I, I, I think uh, the whole discussion, human-like intelligence, very fast, becomes irrelevant because uh, I think you've said it so many times, Anders, and I picked it up on you that we are not really that intelligence. Mm. We, we're, we have a certain type of intelligence mm. and maybe uh, AGI should not strive for be a human-like intelligence, but super-like intelligence. Right. I think that, I think you, you're, you're latching onto something. The problem becomes 
when we give the computer mandates and powers yeah. that we that you know because at some point you know this I don't know if the, it's the definition that you can't turn off the switch you know the singularity at least the singularity yeah. is the, is yes. the can't turn off the switch right and I think I, I think it's a little bit like oh we want to have a very good uh, security system in our country yeah. and now it's so smart so we give it the power to make the decisions for us that's that kind of reasoning scares the hell out of me mm -hmm. because we don't really know when he gets 10 times smarter than us mm. maybe the 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 most intelligent stuff is to kill everyone outside our borders right. uh, from pure logical reasoning I, i'm just exaggerating to make a point of course right so I, I think it's also in the context of how if we put it in a situation that we um, we really let it make decisions on, right. on on these topics right and and maybe that's the scary point that you didn't from the beginning but it maneuvers to that point right. on its own and, and this is this also comes down to the fact that we somewhere know that we're doing things wrong right that's why we think that oh a, a computer that is just uh, objective or, or no, neutral of course uh, that's gonna you know but wipe if, out if, the if, you, if you do an AGI that is neutral yeah. will it naturally seek more power mm. will that be I mean like will that be part of its wiring or not right I mean like we talk about the robotics law and all that but I think it's Asimov, it's, it's yeah. the Asimov's laws right but it's an ultimate topic you know because we start thinking like ourselves right, right. like uh, I get more money I get more power I get hungry for more motive uh, motive right, right. so with an AGI have motive to you know this is you know now we're talking Skynet mm. Terminator mm. because where does the motive to gain read you know Now, but let's let's phrase it differently, I think, and and see if you agree. One thing that we've said, I think, a number, number of times here is that we don't, you know, we are not really afraid about the AI overlords, you know, when them, they will come and they are so much smarter than us. I think that will be a blessing potentially in some way. That's similar to you. Like if, if we think they have human-like emotions, mm -hmm. like empathy, I mean, like they should be... You, no, but the reason for not being afraid about it is that we can just see that as human has evolved and, and we are becoming increasingly civilized, we are becoming increasingly benevolent as well. Right. Is and that true though? I mean, like that's your view of the world, but it really depends. Can you see that it hasn't been? I mean, thinking from the laws of the jungle, you know, back in, in thousands of years, years back, uh, we have become increasingly benevolent. Wouldn't you agree? Depends on which part of the, which continent you're on. No, I don't think so. But um, I would argue, at least, that given the the evolution of of, of humans um, since tens of thousands of years back and, and forward to today, it's been a very very clear trend in that we're becoming increasingly benevolent and that we are treating other animals that we have on the earth increasingly positively, and we don't we don't have any reason to go killing ants for example, or other animals. And potentially, if we agree, if we would be very positive in saying there is a correlation about you know becoming increasingly intelligent and, and there is no need to kill other peoples or other animals or other humans, then potentially in a super intelligent AI would be beneficial or benevolent as well. Right. The problem then is that before we have benevolent AI, we had narrow AI, which we have today, um, and this is the singularity problem and uh, the narrow kind of singularity that I think is really scary, uh, which is that we can today build systems that are, you know, having drones flying around autonomously, 
and using you know autonomous weapons for example in a way which is a reality today and if we don't you know have proper regulation about that and we don't have the proper value alignment of that that could be a really scary scenario so so right. we we talked about narrow ai gone rogue right like on the stock market or world right. systems and stuff like that and i think you coined or we coined the term narrow singularity so <laughs> right. i think it was narrow consciousness but, but yeah narrow, right. narrow consciousness yeah. oh, well, narrow yeah, consciousness yeah, i, I mean like yeah. there's a when the narrow machine goes rogue or mm-hmm. like we lose control of the narrow Right. It was singularity, 155 yeah, okay. less. Oh, okay. Right. I'm not sure. I, I I totally agree with the fact that we uh, like are 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 behaving in in a more civilized way. I mean, civilized in a way. Uh, if you define civilized as as you know, uh, having technical gains and and treating each other in a different in different ways. But I mean, we have industrialized killing in some parts of our history. We have in- industrialized killings at least of, of animals. So so. Uh, I mean, the the is it tricky? The, the, the scare, the scary thing, I think, comes back to ourselves. Like, if if we um, if we imagine the AI to be as ourselves, then I mean, what, what we are most scared of are ourselves, right? Not what that could be, because that ha- I mean, the singularity and and the AI has the has the capacity to go beyond us and be better better than us mm-hmm. in a way. So I think we are we are the most uh, what we need to be aware of is if the AI is exactly as we are, you know, so that, that, that would be, be scary. Yeah. That, that would be the scariest yes. scenario, right? Exactly. Not if it becomes something better because yes. Yes. as I've Agreed. said, we, we know somewhere in our, in the back of our minds that uh, we are doing some things wrong. So you're doing so many things wrong yeah. uh, for sure. But, uh, but I've been trying to follow away what you mean with that. And, uh, and if, if I, if I'm trying to empathize with your view, I guess you're meaning that we, Feudal times, medieval times, mm. war was an inevitable part of life yeah. everywhere in the world. And now struggle we to just survive, struggle mm. to survive, and all that. And now, as the as the world becomes more and more industrialized, I mean, like we still, um, it becomes less and less. It becomes more benevolent, mm. you know. But then I can argue there's, you know, the biggest genocide we had in 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 all of mankind history. Is in modern times. Is the World War Two right? So oh, I'm sure about that. But yeah, is it you know? No. But, but still, I mean, like, so that's a tricky one, right? Yeah, um, it is a tricky one. But I think you know, as we increase intelligence, if we decrease the need for just being able to survive, it's not about survival of the fittest anymore. It's about you know happiness, perhaps. Mm-hmm. That could be a nice. Uh, change and uh, we, I, I think at least that there is a clear trend that increased technological uh, development leads to less uh, friction and uh, potentially more benevolent behavior. Right, right. Well, the jury isn't out. Yeah, it's, it's very philosophical yeah, here. Yeah, so, but that's <laughs> fun sometimes. Okay. It is. It is. Although I mean, th- we have a system that that um, for sure gains some people more than others, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, there's the the question of equality is is um, a pressing one, yeah. right? I think that's the point that if we get more civilized, but this is one thing. But over the cycles, we have growing inequalities, right? And sort of there are these macro life cycles, and we 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 can discuss this. But we discussed with Bjorn Spengler. I can't remember the the author. You write the author as well. That mm-hmm. we we are coming up for a world. You know, war is cyclical mm-hmm. in some some things. Yeah. 
So there are other forces here, maybe. I don't know. But maybe that's enough. We don't know more than this <laughs> right now. I, th- I don't think Let's hope it. the AI is better than Let, we Let's are. try to end the discussion with, are, are you positive about, you know, let's say, 10-year future uh, ahead? Uh, are you positive or negative? Are you more scared or, or more positive about, you know, what 10 years ahead will be for us as humans? I think I am positively scared. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> Very deep. No, it's 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 uh it's it's more I'm positive but it's thrilling, right? So and and you're not sure what's going to what's going to happen and of course that is always in some in some way scary, but but uh, like bottom line I'm 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 um, I'm excited. excited. It's going to be a good future. Scared, yeah. yeah. Good summary. I I would agree excited with that. Excited with butterflies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fredrik, what's next in your life? What's happening privately, professionally? What's going on? I'm going to Germany. Yes. Going to Germany? Yes. What what are you going to do there? I'm going to uh, try and become better at German. The language? Yes, the the language. The language. Yes. Yes. So I'm going to study some German. Try to, um, I have been studying German for too many years, but I'm, you know, trying to, um, it's been two years now since I I last did it. So I'm trying to become better at, at German. Was some specific reason or just personal interest? Mostly or? professionally, I think. It's, it could open doors. Oh. And uh, of course, Germany is uh, where we uh, sell almost everything that we have. So it's uh, it's good to know their, their language and their culture. And, and uh, Germany is always nice. I like the country. I like the culture and, and at least the, the music, the techno scene. So it's... What uh, about the food? Ah, come see, come But here it's uh, all right. We missed the passion here. It comes up when we're about to close. To, you, you have <laughs> passion about Germany, music. I mean, you have ah, music passion. Well, I like the I like sort of the the culture of the, the techno scene. It's uh, mm. yeah, it's um, it's a mix of of many things. Uh, it's a bit hippie, but not too much. And and yeah, it's it's, it's being a part of something bigger. So sort of a church when you stand there on on the dance floor or or at the festival, and you're like. 30,000 people dancing to the same music. It's almost religious. Mm. And then, and then techno, uh, I mean, like I, I assume uh, I know a little bit, I mean, do we have very different sub genres, I guess. Right. No, it's just uh, techno in, in general, I'd say perhaps a bit to the minimal side. Minimalistic. Minimal tech, yeah. yeah. That's the way to go. That we need to listen to this. We're going to listen after. to that. You have to have <laughs> all night long. Yeah, yeah. We'll put it up shortly here in the after after work coming sure. soon. Yeah. Okay, cool. Fredrik, a- anyone that you would recommend to, to come on this podcast as Ooh. a guest? Elon Musk. No, uh, <laughs> I'd say uh, I would like to hear uh, the people that we have been talking about quite a lot in uh, in this episode, and it is the decision makers, hmm? the politicians. Politicians. Get one oh, of the politicians here and talk about AI and, and digitization or digitalization. Digitization. Digitization. Oh. We'll go for that. Anyone in particular? Uh, and anyone that you have talked to that you want you think is has some interesting EU or Swedish or Oh, I think oh, EU should be the best one. But but realistically, if you want to if you want to book someone, then then I'd say we, we get to know after the next election of the uh, the mm. prime minister, right? Uh, in December, then the new government is going to be in place. So it's not mm. going to be Ibrahim Bailan, which is um, right now would be the yeah. But he's he's um, he's not going to be that anymore. So the one that comes after him, that's who I want to hear. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I'm sure you guys have a lot of great questions for that poor fellow. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Well, sorry for, for you being a poor fellow listening in to our you know, interrogation of you. But it's been a true pleasure to have true you here. Pleasure. All the pleasure was all mine. Thank you for having Eric. me. And yeah, uh, yeah wish you the best of luck with the book as well. You um, need to fill him up with beer so he forgets his book. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oktoberfest, Germany. Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much, Fredrik. Um, wish you the best of luck with the book. And uh, let's continue with the after-after work. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.